You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Gentlemen, welcome to our annual Fourth of July spectacular here on TPC. I'm your host James Edwards, along with Keith Alexander's Independence Day weekend, and we've got a three-hour extravaganza coming for you tonight. And I'm just well. Let's just get right into it. Why don't we? Uh, this special holiday installment, we're welcoming back uh, our good friend and yours, former Congressman Steve King. And let's say hello to him right now. Steve, how are you? And happy Fourth of July. Uh- Thank you. I'm doing very, very well, and I wish that happy Independence Day to all your listeners. I'm happy to be back, James, and um, we always have a good attitude about our patriotism and our country, and this is the time to really let it out and let it loose. And, you know, as I just look around the countryside, there's flags everywhere. There's bunting hanging off of of the decks wherever I drive. I just came from up uh, near the Canadian border down through Minnesota and here uh, yesterday, and... uh, I, I, the heart of the heartland is, is solidly patriotic, and I'm sure that's true from sea to shining sea. Well, uh, and it's really just the two, <laughs> the two coastlines is where all the problems yeah, are. Right, that's right. Uh, parts of <laughs> it anyway. Well, <laughs> I, just, I was just you take the bait really well, James. <laughs> that, that one's Keith. Uh, yeah, you got me on that one. Hey, what 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 was it that Big Jim Folsom says? If he baits the trap like that, he's going to catch us every time. Yeah, you ever hear about him? He was go- governor of uh, Alabama. Yeah, six foot eight. Me the- too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, All right. Well, I, you know, it is kind there, of a holiday. On, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, just there are people on each coast that say, especially the the left coast, that say we need to secede from the union. And um, they're not very patriotic, those folks. Uh, they don't believe like we do. They reject our, our founding fathers and, and the things that America that made America great. And um, But I have people on my side of the ideological divide that say, let them go. And I say, yeah. yeah what we, we say is don't let the door hit you in the ass when you leave. In California. Yeah, well, we're, <laughs> now, you know, you all just go. <laughs> well, we're going to get California into that. Because we needed free sources. I tell you what, you get rid of that 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 uh, lot of electoral votes. And we we it's buy not ourselves even all in California, uh, Steve. If you yeah, look course. at the electoral votes uh, by county, the only blue counties are the ones right on the coastline. All the interior counties are red in That's California. Right. Well, it's the same way with Oregon. A lot of these uh, metropolises bring down uh, the whole rest of the state that are filled with good people. But let, let's let's get into this. And actually, you know, having Steve on tonight is fitting because I was just looking back at our calendar, and Steve was on with us the Saturday after Thanksgiving, the Saturday just before Christmas, and then right after the New Year. So I think the only holiday now that we've got him here for Independence Day that we've missed lately was Valentine's Day. And I love you, Steve, but just not like that. 
<laughs> I'd be happier doing Easter with you all rather than Valentine's Day. But <laughs> <laughs> we had a we had a nice little Easter sermon. Uh, we had the pastor on to, to give anyway. But uh, let, here we go. Let's just get into it right now. State of the nation on this Independence Day. So here's the way I look at it right now. The big picture. So. Those who actually built America are under constant assault. That's, of course, what critical race theory is. The theory is to criticize, and they do it relentlessly. Western civilization in general, but white history specifically, culture and heroes, said to be evil. In the meantime, people like us are called extremists for not going along with this. And I'll just give you an example. This big pretend that there are more than two genders and that those genders are interchangeable. You've got schools now here in these United States that are mandating that its administrators not inform parents if their minor child, I mean, we're talking about young children here, is beginning a so-called gender transition. State of New Jersey, and I had to read this headline twice because I thought I was misreading it, it is suing school districts that require parental notification if a child is quote-unquote gender transitioning. Young kids can't vote, they can't drink alcohol or drive cars, but I guess they're old enough to uh, decide to sterilize themselves for life. Grown men dancing fully nude across the country in front of very young children in these so-called pride parades. One nation under God, Steve? I mean, we've never been more at odds. Well, this, this, is, a, this is a terrible ideological, philosophical, and, and, and a good versus evil religious divide. Um, when, when you look at teenagers deciding whether they want to be boys that want to be emasculated and have breast implants or women who want to have their girls, girls, not women, but girls that want to have their breasts removed and they decide they're going to be a man. Um, I, I just thought of this as a comparison is that for about ever since we went into Iraq, we started to pay attention to Islam and Islam has been uh, persistent and relentless in female genital mutilation. And we as a country have come out against that in the strongest way is that's a brutality. It's a, it's a sickening thing to do to a young, actually about an eight year old girl often, but, but maybe older than that. And I've done some events with, um, with a person that went through that. And, and so if we are abhor, if it's abhorrent to us that a society would conduct female genital mutilation, what are we doing in places like Vanderbilt then in the surgery that's taking place right there where you are? Well, this is it, and this leads me to my next question, and you touched on it, and it is something that the Republican base has looked at. We've seen some polls on this question, and increasingly it's uh, bumping above 50% who are in favor of it. But I think that this divide, and, and to make it simple, we can just call this divide the red-blue state divide. Uh, it's far mm -hmm. wider now uh, than the divide was even during the war between the states, and I think that the things that divide us now are so fundamental uh, that nobody alive could have imagined in the most outrageous nightmares in the 19th century, or certainly at the time of the nation's founding, that we would be in the 1950s. <laughs> right. Uh, but th these <laughs> these differences, I don't see being ironed out out of uh, short of God's intervention. Now, you have Juneteenth, which I, apparently I was reading the news a couple of weeks ago. I guess you celebrate it by engaging in mass shootings or mass shootings in Chicago, Los Angeles, Milwaukee, Asheville, uh, North Carolina, San Diego, Akron and elsewhere. But they actually call it Juneteenth National Independence Day, which I guess was invented to compete directly with Independence Day. And you see the Star Spangled Banner being now performed alongside a black national anthem at major sporting events. That's not even touching the divides between white people themselves, a significant mon a minority of whom have given themselves over to this culture of guilt and death. And so, you know, what is the end game here? Should we prioritize at this late stage of degeneracy and decline, reforming a system, media, academia, et cetera, that hates what this country was, was founded to be and works against us? Or is it time to consider alternative alternatives? 
you know, it's just from as me watching this country and this society and studying history and living a fair portion of it, by the way, um, I, I think that the, our country was about as unified and as well positioned on a constitutional, fiscally responsible and cultural core in the 50s, which you mentioned along the way. And I grew up in the 50s. And, and I remember what that was like. It was fun with Dick and Jane. Mama put a big old pot roast in the oven. We'd go off to church. It'd be done when we came back. We said grace. We had our, had our dinner. And we did all of, those, all of those things that were just ideal family. And I entered the classroom, and I thought every other kid was growing up in a household like the one I grew up in, which was ideal. Um, they had great ideals then. And they, were, they were, came under attack when the baby boomers began to flex their muscles coming through the second half of the 60s. And it's been downhill every since from a, from a moral and a structural standpoint. And, and, and as this happens, piece after piece after piece is taken away by a relentless assault on the American civilization, the American culture, James. Hold on right there. The great and good Congressman Steve King. SteveKing.com. Walking Through Fire is his book. Get it. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies, John 8:44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then, the more they use the lie, the more they reproduce the lie. The more spiritual power they get. Now look, the media is a lie multiplier. And this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast. That power protects the cells of the beast from prosecution. Why isn't Hillary in prison? She is protected. We must restore our national relationship with God. Truth is sacred in the kingdom. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Isaiah 9, 6. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Gentlemen, I don't know if you've ever actually read the entire lyrics to My Country Tis of Thee. It is a beautiful and a righteous song. And I realize there's a lot not to be excited about right now with the way our country is going spiritually and in terms of matters of faith and, well, just so many things. But uh, it is 
you know, we can remember back to Francis Scott Key and the Battle of Fort McHenry and the Star-Spangled Banners he was on that ship and trying to find out if they were winning the battle. And every now and then an explosion would happen. He would still see the flag. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful cultural heritage that, uh, well, we'll ask Steve King about it. And what an honor it is to be able to spend a, a little bit of Fourth of July weekend with one of our champions, Steve King. And uh, we're going to go back to the topic that, again, we are celebrating this weekend, the secession from uh, of the colonists from uh, Great Britain, England, King George. But uh, we go from that to this. Here now, Steve, we've got Blue State America literally arresting the president of Red State America. You know, is this the third world now where the successor president takes out his predecessor? You know, Trump is getting arrested up and down the eastern seaboard. Uh, what people like Alvin Bragg is doing, in my opinion, is criminally corrupt. Trump's he's still going to get indicted in Atlanta, by the way. They haven't rolled that one out yet. But these people have been going after him like Captain Ahab chasing Moby Dick for seven years. And it's difficult, I think, to exaggerate. My friend Brad Griffin writes this, exaggerate how radical and unprecedented a move this is. Uh, and I, I wonder how much further down the road we are to p potentially another inevitable crisis. And in what is going on here? Well, Can't be James, I'll tell you that I, you know, I've been involved in this thing for some time. And um, I take it back to, it wasn't necessarily the genesis of it, but it was this, that when Donald Trump was elected president in 2016, a big surprise and what a heavy blow to Hillary Clinton, all of the minions that were behind her. I mean, Hillary didn't really graciously bow out of that race, as I recall. It seemed like she threw something like a $25,000 bottle of champagne through the television, if I got the news right. And uh, so she wasn't happy about that and wasn't graceful, uh, not gracious, and it's never been her style to be that way. Um, but they had the hotel, the hotel, uh, let's see, the Mandarin Occidental Hotel in Washington, D.C., the, the, the highest level of Democrats, the Hillary Clinton people, had secured that hotel for the weekend after the election in 2016 for the purposes of planning how they were going to exploit the Hillary presidency. Well, as we all know, their agenda had to change. They met anyway. And the headline in that hotel was George Soros. And, and I followed this in real time at that time. And out of that three-day meeting, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, they checked out on Wednesday before noon, um, but the headline in there was um, was Soros, and he led it all. But additionally, so out, out of it came the resistance movement, where you saw protests in the major in the major cities, every major city in America, every weekend, on up until the inauguration of President Trump. Then you had a million women in those silly pink hats, and I know they bought plane tickets. I was there. For some I destitute saw women in you and I both. And I mean, they were beating signs on our car and everything. And Marilyn told our driver, just step <laughs> on the gas. And no, 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 I don't need this. <laughs> but let's, let's wait a little. But anyway, uh, she didn't like those threats and it scared her a bit too. Um, but I talked to some of those women and they, they had plane tickets bought for them. And I said, who paid your ticket? I don't know. They gave me a ticket. I flew here. Here I am. Wow. Uh, Soros. Um, so, and, and that was, so what was organized was, the demonstrations were organized in the weekends across the country. The, the million women in pink, silly pink hats, and I don't even use the name on the air, um, yeah. they, were, they were organized and funded by Soros and others. And, and so and out of that came the resistance movement. We will not allow Donald Trump to run this country. I believe in that meeting, that's when they decided, well, it already had already started the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. That was part of the campaign, we remember. Um, and it went on for three and a half years all a great big manufactured lie 
And on top of that, I believe they made the decision to impeach Donald Trump. And that was that was just a more or less a stone cold blood oath. We're going to repeat. We're going to impeach him. Otherwise, they would have never impeached him on a silliest thing like a phone call to encourage some investigation of the Biden crime syndicate. And and but that is what they did. And then the next one was an impeachment over, uh, uh, I guess, his his words that said peacefully, let your voices be heard. Um, those are the two most spurious reasons anybody's ever been impeached at any level for anything. And and so here we have in, in, in the three and a half years of the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, on and on this goes, um, they were not going to let Donald Trump govern. And now the whole country ought to know that. And what I'm concerned about, I'm concerned about a lot of things, but um, if I'm not, what I see is that the left doesn't seem to want to um, take on policies that will gain them uh, the, the, the support of the American voters. I think they own the system to the point they don't need to. And, and that's where we are. But I believe in our Constitution. I believe in the American civilization. I believe in the rule of law, the pillars of American exceptionalism. And, you know, they always expected, and, and Thomas Jefferson called up on us to be the patriots that would restore this liberty. And, and Ronald Reagan said it never lasts more than one generation. So uh, this is our time. And we should be happy because... We, we get to go. We get to serve God and serve our country in a time when we're sorely needed. And what could be a better time to be alive? And what could be a higher challenge to face? Uh, Steve, this is Keith. <clears throat> I think that 2016 yeah. was a genuine watershed in American history. I think that the deep state, both Republican and Democrat, thought they had things sewed up and controlled, and that no outsider could get into the inner sanctum like Trump did. And when he did, they basically panicked and they decided it's pedal to the metal now. We're not going to try to be subtle. We're not going to try to be incremental with our change. We're going to, you know, basically blast the doors off of this thing once we get in and we'll use any means necessary. You know, they've got that group BAMN by any means necessary. That's when they mm -hmm. decided that electoral fraud was okay, anything else was okay, in order to make sure, as Al Davis, the former owner of the Oakland Raiders, said, just win, baby. And that's what they did. And mm -hmm. that's what we're under now. We're under that regime. And they basically enjoy telling us that we don't care whether you like transsexuality or uh, LBGTQ or whatnot or any of this stuff. It's like wearing the mask in COVID. When you wear the mask, you're saying, I will obey you. That's what they're looking from for all of us here in Red State America. And, of course, that's not in our DNA. You know, we are people who would stand up for our rights. We've done it on numerous occasions in the American Revolution, in the American Civil War. And, uh, you know, we're really coming to an uh, Armageddon-type showdown in this country of, you know, what happens in this next election, you know, it could be you know, no telling what will come well, from this. it's a joke, you know, in, in heavyweight boxing. Every fight is the fight of the century. But I think that we are actually, Steve, in very real time, accelerating towards something, some sort of an event, because you have now – they are obviously trying to take Trump out before the 2024 election. You just had the sweetheart deal between the DOJ and Hunter Biden that was announced a few days ago. And that's just and, rubbing our nose. Well, this mouth. is just part of the process. I mean, people's faith in the legitimacy of the systems 
that, and I'm not just talking about the governmental system, although that's part of it, but all of the systems, the institutes of power in this country, uh, in the eyes of a critical mass of people, I mean, at least half of the country, the Trump voters, they're waking up to these issues, and the legitimacy of the system is failing to an extent that I cannot I, rationalize it anymore. We haven't they, seen, they know that we are living under a tyranny. We now. haven't seen in, in 150, 150 well, since the war between the states, I guess. Now, uh, so, I mean, what happens with Trump? I mean, what, what do you think that with about a minute remaining this yeah, second? I don't believe they're going to allow him to well, uh, become you. president. <laughs> I just don't believe so, and I want <laughs> Steve's opinion on this. Steve, do you think they're going to allow him to win under any circumstances? Or, or run, even. I mean, or, that's or the, to yeah. serve. Or to run. Well, at this point, I think they've got they've got resources they haven't deployed yet, and they've got tactics that are so far beneath our moral standards that they're willing to use. I don't know how that shakes out, but I do believe we have to do what is right and fight the battle. And I'm talking to people on a I'm on about three different think tanks, and I get a lot of networked information that comes on. One of those top people there, and I can't name that person, nor can I quote that person directly, but I can say, well, this is what I presumed from what I heard, which now that you know what that means, how I described it is that we have five states in America and two counties within each of those five states that if we don't figure out how to crack the corruptness that's there, how does any presidential candidate think they can win a race uh, in the, under those circumstances? Uh, in other words, uh, obvious to us is that the deep corruption that goes on, the Soros purchased, um, I'll call them the Soros purchased uh, secretaries of state, the attorneys general, we know what they've been doing. I mean, I you just go clear back to when Norm Coleman lost that that election um, to uh, to uh, Al Franken. Al Franken in Minnesota. That thing was that thing was rigged by the Secretary of State of Minnesota, and he was a Soros Secretary of State, and that's a long time ago, and it's gotten everywhere since then. That was the beginning of the electoral fraud really getting traction. Walking through the fire, my fight for the heart and soul of America. That's Steve King's book. Uh, folks, you would do yourself a favor to check it out. This Independence Day weekend, what better time to buy it? It's steveking.com. I've got my copy. We'll be right back. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Jerry Barmash. A Republican senator is continuing to call out the FBI over their investigation into Hunter Biden's laptop. Tim Berg reports. Senator Ron Johnson is one of the Republicans investigating President Joe Biden's family. The Republican lawmaker responds on Fox News after being asked if the FBI was running cover for Hunter Biden in relation to the bureau claiming that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. I believe they were. I think it started when they left uh, the uh, John McIsaac's, uh, John Paul McIsaac's uh, computer shop and they turned around and said, it's our experience that uh, people don't talk about these things uh, don't get in trouble. Uh, and that began their pre-sabotage of any news coverage of the laptop. An enthusiastic crowd cheered former President Trump during Saturday's rally in South Carolina, but one Republican from the host state wasn't received so warmly. And again, Senator Lindsey Graham, who is really got... I'm going to have to work. I'm going to have to work on this meeting. I'm going to have Trump went on to praise Graham as one of his earliest supporters. A new state law in Florida took effect on Saturday, limiting transgender access to bathrooms and locker rooms. The law makes it a crime for someone to use restrooms or locker rooms that don't align with their sex at birth. 
Holiday travel is extended for the long weekend and beyond. Captain Casey Murray is president of the Southwest Airlines Pilot Association. So airports are going to be um, a challenge, uh, you know, from parking from the moment you arrive to, to getting bags checked to getting through security. It's going to be a challenge all day and all weekend. Murray on Fox News. The TSA expects to screen 17.7 million flyers between June 29th and July 5th. This is USA News. Omaha Steaks is rewriting the book on burgers with an all-new handmade texture for the juiciest home-style burgers you've ever tasted. Their pure ground burgers are made from single cuts of real aged Omaha Steaks. These are truly steaks on a bun. Filet mignon, ribeye, New York strip, sirloin, and even brisket burgers. Now is the time to experience the exclusive Burger Perfection Flight for just $79.99. Go to OmahaSteaks.com and use promo code TREAT at checkout to get an extra $20 off your order plus free shipping. You'll get four of each pure ground burger so you can sample all the steak on a bun greatness. These burgers are crafted for a juicier, more tender experience, making your mouth water with every single bite. Don't wait. Go to OmahaSteaks.com. Use promo code TREAT at checkout and get $20 off the Burger Perfection Flight and discover your new burger obsession. Minimum order may be required. Friends, you could do the 4th of July worse than spending a little bit of it with uh, Congressman Steve King. I, I, I did. I have to mention it. I know you know all of these people, Steve. We, we're commentators. You are a congressman, all right? So you know Donald Trump. Uh, and I um, was laughing a little bit, I have and to admit, during <laughs> the break about how I know Trump is in Pickens, South Carolina tonight. Uh, and I know Pickens well. That's in the upstate of South Carolina. It's a beautiful country, beautiful people there. And uh, he introduced Lindsey Graham. We got a big boo from the crowd. We just heard that. <laughs> Total booing from the crowd. <laughs> well, he should have had Steve King there. Now, they would have gone, uh, they would have been raucous for that. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, <laughs> talking about uh, Trump, Peter Turchin has a new book out. And uh, we were talking about Trump the last segment, but I, I want to get back to this very quickly. And then we want to get into the Supreme Court stuff and some other issues uh, before the time runs out tonight. But uh, Peter Church has a new book. He was being interviewed about it. And the interview asked him, in your opinion, do we have a non-negligible chance in the next 10 years of serious violence in the United States? And I want to just say very clearly and plainly, mm-hmm. uh, we don't want that. Uh, you shouldn't advocate for it. You certainly shouldn't participate in it. I understand that BLM and Antifa can burn down cities. But we can't do that, and nor should we. But the answer to the question was, Maybe the odds are 50%. Maybe uh, it's certainly not zero. Maybe somewhere in between, but these things always come unexpectedly. And then the author continues, perhaps the elites will come together and course correct, but there are other possibilities. And the most likely is the future of America consists of the country separating along red and blue lines. The interviewer asks, a formal divorce settlement? The author responds, yes, I think that's a realistic scenario where there will be two countries, perhaps even three countries, the West Coast and the East Coast, separate from the middle. 
I think it's a real possibility. After Donald Trump's election in 2016, it was mostly in the liberal states that people talked about leaving and joining Canada. After 2020, mostly in the red states. There's a movement in Texas to secede. By the way, the state Republican Party of Texas actually advocated for it in their formal platform. There's a similar movement uh, in Oregon and in Idaho. So I think, Congressman, I mean, we're now at the stage where confidence in the system is collapsing. The Trump voters, as I said, half the country have no faith in media. Uh, the government, perhaps even our uh, electoral system, both sides see each other as mortal enemies in an existential conflict like you saw before the war between the states. And this was unthinkable just a few years ago, maybe even just four or five years ago. But I think that that could be the future of America, whether individuals listening may want it or not. Again, secession. It's an all-American idea. It's the tradition that we celebrate this time of year. But of course, it's, it's celebrated if you win. It's uh, not celebrated if you lose. But do you see, and I'm not saying you advocate for it, but do you see a realistic scenario where at some point in the future, 10 years, 20 years, at some point, that that happens here uh, if we continue on the current trajectory? Well, I say, James, that you know, if we continue the way we are, we won't last 10 or 20 years as a, as a unified There's nation that. if you There's describe that. us as unified today. And that's, that's a stretch. Uh, to be to say that we are today, I'd add Alaska to the countries that that have also publicly advocated for secession, and so uh, there we have it. I tell the Texans though that you had that deal that you could secede at will. That was before the Civil War, not after. Uh, so there's a different way to evaluate that. I want to tell you, your listeners, you you have lots of Dixie listeners down there, and, and I'm a Yankee, and I want to tell you how I think about this. And I think you're, you're a Midwesterner, sir. Describe it. Yeah, you're sir, not a Yankee now. You're not from New England. Me? You're a Midwesterner. <laughs> I'm a Midwesterner, that's true. Um, And uh, my great-great-grandfather, five times great, actually, was killed in the Civil War. My uh, uh, great-uncle, his Bible that he carried in his shirt pocket for three years during the Civil War is uh, in my possession now. And uh, But here's how I look at this. Um, My family were abolitionists. And just like I am pro-life today, these are the fundamental principle of of the sacredness of human life and, and individual freedom. And so they went off to war, and my great uncle came back. My great grandfather didn't come back. Um, but uh, in any case, here's here's what I know. Um, this I, I went to Dixie Republic when the, the commercial came on, and I'm looking at the the Confederate battle flag right now. I had one flying uh, flying on my I remember. desk when I was in Congress. Famously, I remember. <laughs> and and it's out of respect for this Southern pride. Um, the the war was more about states' rights and Southern pride than it was about slavery. And in all of my time in serving with good, rock-solid, wonderful conservatives from south of the Mason-Dixon line, I never heard any one of them breathe anything that could be interpreted to mean that they believe that slavery was would be the component of what today's society ought to be. There's an abhorrence to it that exists all across the South, as far as I know. I'm sure there's exceptions to it. So, But it was this, that when um, when when Grant and Lee met at Appomattox, and um, Lee made a negotiated effort so that his boys could keep their horses because they needed to go home and farm, Grant said, "Okay, they can keep their horses." And Lee said, "And I want them to keep their arms." And Grant said, "Tell them to stack their arms, but the officers can keep their sidearms." And and then once that was signed, there was a regiment, a, a northern regiment, that fired off a volley in celebration, and Grant said shut that down. That's no way to celebrate here. From this day forward, these rebels are our countrymen. And to this day, the greatest contribution on a per capita basis going off into our infantry to put their lives on the line for the American Republic and old glory that we celebrate this weekend 
are, are southern white men in that in that in that conflict so all the way around it was about keeping the southern pride keep your horses keep your sidearms keep your southern pride and go ahead and fly the confederate battle flag or the army of northern virginia's flag um and anything that the, the pride of that we used to have an army navy or excuse me a north hey army navy stuck in my Blue mind great game in a north south game that's it yeah thanks keith and and that was that was in the right spirit Today, they poisoned this spirit by trying to take that battle flag down wherever they can find a federal connection to do it. And my own Republican leadership tucked and ran from that debate. And that's why I fly that flag. And I still do today. And I'm going to continue to do that because there's something to be said about 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 the the pride of the South and the dignity that's there. And I, I just I respect it. And I, and I know where I would have been on this deal if I'd have been born 150 years earlier. Well, let me tell you this. Uh, the Civil War was not about slavery. It was about economic issues. But the, there was no income tax before the Civil War. In fact, they had to amend the Constitution to have one. Where did they get their money? They got their money from excise taxes, particularly tariffs on foreign manufactured goods, which the South had to buy to induce Europe to buy their agricultural products. As a result of that, the South was paying 80% of the money necessary to run the federal government. Meanwhile, when the Whigs got in, they had internal improvements. Those were these, uh, what do you call them, uh, transportation systems like the Pennsylvania Turnpike, Erie Canal, and increasingly railroads. 90% of those were being, lo with federal money being used on them, were located outside the South. There was only one major East-West Railroad in the Confederacy, at the eve of the Civil War, and that was Memphis to Charleston Railroad, which was cre created totally from private funds. That's what the South was, primary, the leaders of the South were mad about. They thought their cow was being milked through the fence by the North, and when Lincoln met with the Virginia delegation when they were trying to head off secession, he didn't say, what about slavery? He said, what about my tariff? Well, actually, Lincoln offered the South a concession that he would enshrine slavery in perpetuity if they would refuse to secede. So the the the, the or, or rescind their rescind, right, right? Correct. So the the issue is either it wasn't all about slavery or the South didn't trust Lincoln uh, to keep his word. But nevertheless, uh, let's not get bogged down with that whole debate. That's not what we're here to talk about, at least right now. But I think I think that before we go to our last break of the evening, we're going to pivot. We're going to talk about the Supreme Court cases and some more current issues. A lot of stuff coming out of the Supreme Court this week. We'll get the congressman's take on it in the uh, in the very final segment of this hour. But I think you look at secession. It worked in 1776. It is celebrated. Didn't work for our ancestors, Keith, in 1861 to 1865. But I am not so sure that it is not going to be an issue. Steve is saying, I don't think we, we, we may not make it long enough to even try it again. Uh, if uh, well, things there, don't... There'll be a secession of spirit, if not de facto. I mean, not de jure. Hmm. I think that people just are not going to follow the dictates of a tyrannical federal government in red state America. Well, that's again, this goes back to the, the American spirit. And I mean, you have half the country that's already there. It's, I just don't know how you put these disparate pieces together and form a one nation under God. Half, at least half the country doesn't believe in God or they're antichrist. I, I just I mean, again, the difference is now, as you mentioned, after the war between the states, there was a healing to a certain extent. I mean, Reconstruction was horrible in the South. It was it was a you know it was a terrible terrible thing, uh, but they still had more uh, more ties that bind than we have now. And I just don't see how this 
I just don't see how it all sticks together. Uh, you know, you just can't have separate cultures and separate faiths and separate traditions and separate everything. There's so much more that separates us now, I think, uh, than any before in American history. But uh, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I mean, hope hope springs and all. But I don't even know if we would want. Uh, do we do we want to be with uh, you know people that teach us that yeah, our, we, our we kids need a can divorce? Be? But like most people that want a divorce, we'd prefer to have a no fault <laughs> divorce rather than a, uh, a, a a contested divorce. Well, I don't want to put the words in the congressman's mouth. Now, that's just our thoughts on that. He made his uh, uh, opinion abundantly clear. But we'll come back, and we do want to talk about uh, the current issues at the Supreme Court. Uh, that wasn't something we planned to talk about tonight, but it's in the news. we got to do it. It came out a couple of days ago. Can't wait to hear what Steve says about that. Stay tuned, everybody. The Honorable Cause of Free South is a collection of 12 essays written by Southern National Authors. The book explores topics such as what is the Southern nation, what is Southern nationalism, and how can we achieve a free and independent Dixie. The Honorable Cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of pro-South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspool, and Wilson Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar, host and creator of the Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, My Charlottesville Story, Identity Dixie's Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The Honorable Cause is available now at Amazon.com. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. Fourth of July weekend again to you all, ladies and gentlemen. It is an honor after 19 years on the radio to spend. Uh, we're a show for all seasons. Uh, it is hot down here. It is summertime. It is always an honor to spend the holidays with you and with uh, guests like Congressman Steve King. And uh, we are going to get into the issue of the. There was at least three Supreme Court rulings that came out that each of them pretty profound and powerful. Uh, that are worthy of uh, really a full hour of conversation. We'll do what we can here. The big bell ringer was the affirmative action. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that, I promise. But I want to share 
with Steve a quick story and, and a final question about Fourth of July before we get into more current and contemporary topics. And Keith, I told you this earlier tonight, uh, but uh, I don't know how many people of you, uh, how many of you people out there uh, shop at Aldi, the grocery store. But if you go to Aldi, you have to pay a quarter to get a shopping cart. And uh, they you say, get it back when you turn in the car. They, and they pass the savings along to you <laughs> inside the store. But anyway, of course, I get there and I don't have a quarter. I have two dimes and a nickel. So what am I going to do? I got to go to the cash register and I got to ask for a quarter in exchange for the loose change. And I get a quarter. And, you know, you never know who's going to be on the back of a quarter these days. It's certainly not George Washington. And I, lo- I looked at this quarter and um, who's on the back of it? Is it George Washington? Is it Thomas Jefferson? No. It's Wilma Mankiller, and apparently, I of course, had never heard of her before. Apparently, she was an Indian chief, a female Indian chief. Mankiller, certainly, by the way, a fitting surname for progressive heroine. And I don't know she looks, like, she looks like Jane Fonda. <laughs> but uh, seriously, <laughs> <laughs> this is the 4th of July weekend. Uh, Steve, uh, the Founding Fathers, uh, what do you think they would say about what we've done with the place? Oh, my gosh. They, they've <laughs> got to be just spinning in their graves over this. There's so many things that have been that, that they didn't write into the Constitution because it was so inconceivable they didn't need to protect us from it. Um, for example, marriage is yes. one of those. And the, yep. uh, they, 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 they never really thought that. And, and I remember this in 1998. We passed the Defense of Marriage Act in the Iowa Senate. And I stood on the floor and argued about that. And I, first of all, I don't want to have marriage between one man and one woman because I amended it to me between one male and one female because I didn't want to have a debate on what a man and a woman was. That's 1990, probably 1998. And here we are today. The Supreme Court doesn't know the difference between a man and a woman. Um, and marriage has been completely distorted. That's one of those. Um, the affirmative action piece, which I think we're going to be talking about here pretty soon. Um, I, I was in Congress when the decision came down, Grutter v. Bollinger. And uh, that was that in a companion case was decided and the majority opinion written by Sandra Day O'Connor. And she wrote in that in that opinion that uh, we really need this affirmative action in under this era because the country needs to get to this diversity equation, apparently. And uh, but in 25 years, she used the number, but about in 25 years, it might be different, meaning the Constitution could mean something different 25 years from 2003 than it did the day she wrote that opinion. And. I just lit up on that. How can you have a Supreme Court justice that could say that could actually write an opinion that says the Constitution means something different if we conform to certain ideas? Well, what it shows, Steve, is that they think that the uh, Constitution doesn't exist. They basically think they well, can make this up as they go. I don't want to spend too much time on this because we got to get to the Supreme Court decisions. But I mean, you had a federal judge just uh, a few weeks ago say that he found in the Constitution it was unbeknownst for all these many, many, many decades, even centuries that there was a protection in the Constitution for gender transition of young children. He found it in there. This federal judge said he found I know, it. I know Thomas Jefferson was uh, thinking about that. <laughs> Steve is right. I mean, well, there's no way they could have possibly foreseen. I mean, they couldn't see 250. How many years has it been since 1776, the Declaration of Independence? I mean, they couldn't foresee that far into the future no better than we can. But, I mean, the, the idea that a judge act, oh, he found it in the Constitution, there it is. Uh, it just, it, nobody else well, has seen it before. For it, though. The precedent was in, in the uh, Roe versus Wade decision when they wrote that these these imagined rights are in the in the words in the emanations and penumbras of the Constitution. And then you can look that up. Emanations and penumbras are those things like if you're looking at a cloud and on the edge of the cloud, there might be some things out on that edge that um, might 
be definitive to somebody else that they can see, but we what were those guys That's smoking? Emanation penumbra. <laughs> well, right, they're still smoking it. And once the precedent <laughs> comes down, if it fits, if it conforms with what they want for a result, they go ahead and follow it. Justice Scalia was just, yeah, he he was really rock solid on some things. I really miss that man, but but he would say this that when I have to write a decision on our Constitution, and I regret the policy that will flow from it. Uh, but I know I have to write this. He said, I know I'm making a good constitutional decision because, and then he would say, I need to have, I need to have one of those rubber stamps that say stupid, but constitutional, stupid, but constitutional. Well, all right, let's, but we got a, we've got a method to amend the constitution. It has to be, it has to be a, a contractual intergenerational contractual guarantee from gen, one generation to the next. And it cannot mean what anybody emanations, predominance that they imagine it means. It's got to mean it's got to mean what it says, and it has to mean what it was understood to mean at the time of ratification, or it's nothing. It's an artifact of history, and it, it's mentioned- such a tragedy to have a federal judge come out with that idea. Well, it is. Uh, there's a lot of tragedies, but uh, we're trying to celebrate this weekend. And the uh, the yeah, you mentioned Scalia. I mean, the, the idea of him and Clarence Thomas uh, teaming up. I mean, what good. Uh, we could have certainly used Scalia to have survived a little bit longer. I'll tell you, if the Democrats ever get control again, if they ever get absolute power again, you're going to see they're going to stack the court with about 50 Katanji Brown Jacksons, and that's going to be all she wrote. And you'll be begging. We're Folks will be had begging. the Katanji Forest uh, re- recreated <laughs> over here in America. Yeah, you know, what, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah, you're going to be begging for secession yeah. if that happens. But in, in any event, let's talk about the good news <laughs> that came. Listen, I still think that these universities are going to find a way to make res- race-based admissions. I think they're just going to find a way around the decision but I, I, as far as it goes i think we are better off today than we were last week three pretty profound decisions we got five minutes remaining that's a disservice to it but uh, congressman take it in any way you want with any of the three you want and and just go to town well i take that affirmative action decision um i've been doing battle with affirmative action all my adult life and i remember back when actually affirmative action was the first mention of it in the united states was john f kennedy in an executive order in uh, early 2000, early, excuse me, early 1963. He was assassinated. Lyndon Bain Johnson then put it into an executive order with a directive and a mandate as opposed to just suggestion that Kennedy had, and it grew from there. And I remember watching as we had uh, a glorious man during that time of his life, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., and he advocated for equal opportunity, the, the, the content of character. We know those things, and they were, and they were anchored truthful values. But his dream was being hijacked while he was articulating that dream to us by the people that turned it into this affirmative action that now has grown into this division in America. And so what I would say is that I have an individual, he's a good friend, his name is Christopher Harris. He is the founder and the president of Unhyphenated American. And he's a black guy and and, uh, I've had him as a guest speaker and we communicate now more more than once a week probably on average. When that affirmative action decision came down that said, thou shalt not do race as a determining factor in college admissions, that's what we needed across the board a long, long time ago, 50 or more years ago. Um, but he wrote this, and, and I just sent him a text to see, can I, can I publish this? And he said, yes, go for it. He wrote this, the Supreme Court of the United States has decided that merit trumps melanin with regard to America's future leaders. A new era is upon us. The race card will now be declined at American institutions for higher learning. No longer can race hustlers and anti-American antagonists weaponize skin color as a condition for admission. No longer can people like Focahontas 
also known as Senator Elizabeth Warren, Democrat Massachusetts, manipulate the educational system to gain an unfair advantage. He goes on, but this is a this is an African American that thinks straight, that's got it right, and I'm proud to call him as a countryman. And, and, and if we had held to equal opportunity instead of special privileges and rights for people based upon what he refers to as the, that no longer does merit Trump, uh, no, not today now, merit Trump's melanin, but melanin has been trumping merit for a long, long time. If we'd adhered to equal opportunity and, and throughout this period of time, our country would be together and people would succeed according to their merit and their effort and their ideology and the resources, but especially Democrats have driven this wedge for their political gain. And the poison that's in our culture is the core poison we're talking about that what happens to split America apart. And I, and I well, want to uh, say also that, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Chips. No, you go ahead, Connor. No, 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 I, I, I was going to say, really, the civil rights movement was the beginning of this, splitting America both regionally and racially. But I think that, you know, we need to remember that affirmative action really gained traction in 1969 when the EEOC made it their official enforcement policy under the leadership of Alfred Bloom Rosen in the Nixon administration, okay? This was not, you know, there's plenty of deep state guilt to go around, both for the Republicans and the Democrats, in the enshrining of affirmative action. The problem that we have is that with this latest decision is that Roberts gave lip service to this holistic approach, which was invented by Associate Justice Lewis Powell in the Bakke decision in the late 70s. And he basically mm-hmm. said quotas are a violation of the Constitution, but nudge, nudge, wink, wink, there's a way you get around it through this holistic approach. And <laughs> apparently that thing is still alive. And see, that's the problem. Lewis Powell was supposed to be this rock-ribbed conservative appointed by Nixon who was going to save us from the depredations of the Warren court. Instead, once he got on the high court, he caved in like an outhouse, a cardboard outhouse in a hailstorm and became part of the left. <laughs> well, I, I actually I agree with most of what you said there, Keith, and especially when you go back to the Bakke case. And uh, that decision on Bakke was, well, as long as you can camouflage it by having it be one component of other components, then it's okay to be racist in your admissions position, admissions policies. And I, that, that stuff has always been rubbed, rubbed me wrong. I want equal opportunity. If we're created in God's image, give us an opportunity to compete and let the merit prevail. Well, that's uh, something we can all agree on here as we close out this hour. Let the best man win. I, um, I knew we were doing ourselves a disservice by even attempting to get into the three. We only touched, just barely scratched the surface on one of the three. <laughs> really profound Supreme Court uh, decisions that were handed down this week, but uh, we did our best. Keith and I will revisit this topic in the third hour just for a moment. But, uh, Congressman, happy Fourth of July. Thanks for coming back on uh, with us tonight, and we will talk to you again real soon. I hope we'll, we'll, Keep fighting the good faith. I mean, good fight. Fight, excuse okay. me. With, with, the, with okay. the faith of our God, fathers. God, pres- bless the, God, <laughs> God bless the USA and Southern Pride. I'll be, hey, thank you, my friend. Uh, we'll be looking for the next holiday. We'll talk to you on Labor Day. <laughs> Stay tuned, everybody. In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio.
ResolutionRDO.com. You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Are you prepared to bug out? Infidel Body Armor and an Army Ranger have produced a high-speed DVD and book to show you how to drive in combat, patrol, and how to survive in combat. Skills you'll need when it hits the fan. Go to DrivenDVD.com. DrivenDVD.com. In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to the Political Cesspool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards. everybody to our 4th of July spectacular here on TPC and as we continue this evening James Edwards and Keith Alexander I want to pay tribute to a man who I'm honored to say was a friend of mine a friend of mine who I knew for many years and a friend of mine who really sacrificed his status and prestige within his class Uh, he was certainly an elite, uh, but an elite for our side. He was a scion of a publishing house, a multi-million dollar heir, and he gave uh, his uh, life to our cause. Uh, he passed away on July the 2nd, 2021. Of course, I'm talking about William H. Regnery II, Bill Regnery. And uh, we salute you tonight, Bill. Uh, Gone but not forgotten. Absolutely not. And I want to be sure to invoke the name of Bill Regnery uh, here on this Independence Day weekend as we move on. Yes, I do celebrate. Now, listen, you know, it's a nuanced thing. I don't allow the federal flag on my property. You know my feelings. I, I've said it every year for many years on this show, my feelings towards the Yankee flag. I don't allow it on my property. But uh, I do celebrate the 4th of July uh, because we would have been worse off had we not seceded. And what I mean by that is, had imagine if we were still part of Great Britain or the United Kingdom or whatever you want to call it, uh, their restrictions on the First Amendment and the Second Amendment, we would have all gone to jail for what we did in the first hour, much less any other week. You know, I just heard Sam Dixon say recently that 
King George was a benevolent despot. It said the people in the rest of Europe, like Russia, Poland, places like that, they would have thought they'd died and gone to heaven if they'd been living under the reign of no, George I, I understand the third rather understand than who they were. I understand Sam's position on that, but I just think if you look at the big picture, we would be worse off now in terms of we would be going to jail. Yours truly, Sam. Well, just look what's happening in England now because they don't have a First Amendment and a Second Amendment, how they're being knuckled under by the politically correct leadership over there. They've got hate not just hate crime laws, but hate speech laws. And they're laws. trying to get that here, too. But I'm just saying, we'd be a little bit, we'd be about what, 20 or 30 years more of this progression down the road if we had not seceded. So I guess for that, that reason alone, I'm seeing more like 20 or 30 months now. <laughs> <laughs> and I do wax nostalgic about the Francis Scott Key and the Star Spangled Banner and all of that. But uh, we're here to dispel two myths this hour. Is America a proposition nation? And what it, did the founding fathers really believe? I guess that's not, the second one's not a myth, but. People do say we're a proposition nation. Uh, by the very definition of a nation, of course, we are not. And by our own uh, founding documents, we are not. What is a nation? Well, it's not defined by political boundaries, but by its people. The Oxford Dictionary is defined a nation as a large aggregate of people united by a common descent, history, culture, or language inhabiting a particular country or territory. Merriam-Webster's etymology emphasizes birth or common descent. Now, here are standard definitions for proposition, something offered for consideration or acceptance, a theorem or a problem to be demonstrated or performed. As Charles, uh, Charles Tallis for American Renaissance wrote some years ago, and I quote, it's hardly encouraging to think of one's nation as something offered for consideration or a problem. As a practical matter, the contemporary meaning would uh, be a nation defined by ideology or legal doctrine rather than by race, ancestry, religion, and culture. A proposition nation, therefore, has none of the elements that traditionally are required for a people to be considered a nation. So the term itself, proposition nation, is a contradiction. Now, I'll say this. What attracts people to the idea of a proposition, uh, propositional nation is its rejection of the true meaning of nation, common blood, common descent, common culture, whites. Blood and soil. And only whites, by the way, believe that rejecting these things is enlightened, progressive, and virtuous. But here's the rub. No proposition can hold together a nation with stark racial, ethnic, cultural, or religious differences. Such diverse nations are kept together with constant propaganda, as we see now, ethnic bribery, coercion, and even force. Propositions aren't ties that binds, folks. Blood and soil, you mentioned it, Keith, blood and soil are. Proposition Nation, I don't think so. It well, was never true. Remember when we met with the reporter from Design? You bring that up about every Germany. show. <laughs> well, whenever I can, because I remember where he said, well, you know, you all are a proposition nation, and basically you just have to subscribe to a certain set of beliefs to be a good American. And then when a black panhandler in downtown Memphis came up to him, he started running and hiding. <laughs> well, here's what happened. We said, no, that's not at all. I said, there's no such thing as a proposition nation. That's a figment of some Jewish neocon's imagination, which it basically was. That's the source of it. They didn't want to be... Uh, identified with a nation that had an, a, a religious identity, Christianity, or a racial identity, Anglo-Saxonism. They wanted to, it to be freewheeling and based on ascribing to certain opinions and certain principles and values, which they reserved the right to define. Well, we told this reporter, that's a bunch of baloney. I said, there's no nation worthy of the name that's not a blood and soil nation. And he seemed a little puzzled. 
Then he went to Confederate Park and he found out that the people that were using force to make people knuckle under to their ideas were blacks in Memphis, not whites. We had a couple of white working class guys that tried to raise a Confederate flag in what was then Confederate Park. And all these black panhandlers and bums attacked them. And he saw that and he went back to Germany with a different story than the one he was sent out there to get. And quite frankly, I never saw uh, uh, any report about what he uh, about his trip over here or anything else. Or, in fact, <laughs> I imagine he disappeared into the penumbras or ethers of uh, German journalism after that because <laughs> I've never heard of him since then. But see, that's it. A proposition nation is an invention, and it's a Jewish invention. It started somewhat in the 50s. During the civil rights movement, it really started to gain traction. And folks, I want to say, I want to interrupt my friend to tell you that we will prove that to you before the end of this hour. So stay tuned. We're only beginning our treatment on the idea of a proposition nation. And we're going to tell you exactly from their own words what the founding fathers really believed. Go, Keith. And remember what the Bible says for subtle situations. Do not be deceived. You shall know them by their fruits. Can a good tree bring forth corrupt fruit? Can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit? Therefore, by their fruits. Ye shall know them. Well, if the proposition nation notion comes from Jewish power and influence, is that going to be corrupt fruit or good fruit? It's going to be corrupt fruit each and every time, ladies and gentlemen. Don't buy into that. The idea that basically you have to just swear allegiance to certain principles and you're a good American. No, we're a blood and soil nation just like Poland is, just like England is, just like Russia is, just like Ukraine is. Gonna get, and we're not just saying that. Because we feel that way. We're going to give That's you all reality. the facts. We're going to give you the facts before the end of this hour from our own founding document and from the founding fathers' own writings. I mean, this is going to be an hour that you won't forget and an hour that is particularly suited. Take notes. This is how you take on these people. Never concede that we have a proposition nation because if you did, all is lost. All right. And we're going to prove it to you. This is going to be an hour that is particularly suited for Independence Day. As we continue on tonight, stay tuned. Antelope Hill Publishing is America's leading publisher of dissident books, bringing you a wide variety of new translations and original works on every subject from the Spanish Civil War to the funding behind the transgender movement. Antelope Hill publishes books that mainstream publishers won't touch, full of information that challenges the political status quo and brings real culture to the reading public at an affordable price. If you count yourself as a political dissident, then you owe it to yourself to check out the Antelope Hill catalog with exclusive offerings like Rebel Mountain by Kurt Eggers, a brand new reprint of the infamous You Gentiles by Marie Samuel, and now the treatise of a January 6th prisoner in the American regime. There is something there for everyone, and new titles are added every month. Check out the complete catalog today at antelopehillpublishing.com. That's antelopehillpublishing.com. I'm James Edwards, and I want you to check out antelopehillpublishing.com. 
Fighting for the soul of liberty and true pursuit of happiness for everyone. Freedom Fest 2023 is coming to the home of the blues and birthplace of rock and roll, Memphis, Tennessee, July 12th through 15th. It's the ultimate summit for liberty, educating and empowering through art, music, film, and comedy while promoting economic freedom and highlighting today's political issues. Use promo code ROUND50 to save 50 bucks off the current rate. Reserve your spot at freedomfest.com. See you in Memphis. My name is Christian Knuckles. I prophesy there will be no revival until the church leadership stops lying to the people. I'm the first soldier of the spiritual body of Christ, the Lion of Judah, the Confederate Church of Christ. I'm here to declare the lion will lie down with the lamb when the lying stops. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries and brought to you by confederatechurchofchrist.com. Welcome back. Our 4th of July extravaganza rolls on. And those who want to rewrite American history love to trot out Thomas Jefferson's phrase, all men are created equal, while completely ignoring the purpose of the Declaration. It is a detailed list of 28 grievances that justify separation from Britain. Now, in this context, of course, all men are created equal asserts that the colonists are equal to the British crown and have the right to sever ties. Jefferson and the signers are announcing that they are dealing with the king as equals, not suggesting that all human beings are biologically equal. And has often been pointed out, the Declaration itself does not treat American Indians as equal. Quote, he, talking about the king, has excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages who... Uh, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, uh, sexes and conditions, end quote. Now, it's also well known uh, that the United States Naturalization Law of 1790, passed by the very first Congress, was explicit in its inegalitarian conception of American citizenship, which it limited to, quote, free white persons of good character, end quote. Indians, white indentured servants even, slaves, free blacks, and later Asians, they were all excluded. In 1787, in the second of the Federalist Papers, John Jay gave thanks uh, that, quote, Providence has been pleased to give this one connected country to one united people, a people descended from the same ancestors, speaking the same language, professing the same religion, attached to the same principles of government, very similar in their manners and customs, end quote. You this is not a celebration the term band of brothers in that thing, too. This is not a celebration of a proposition nation, getting back to the original question of this hour, but a traditional nation, a real nation a based on nation. common blood. Yes, uh, it is absurd to claim that the founders established the country for all humanity or for all races or for all people. We are the only people who could be tricked into suicide of this kind. Belief in this proposition is self-inflicted genocide. The whole proposition nation is a fraud. Uh, we have to remain dominant in our ancestral lands. Now, this is this is Charles Tallis of American Renaissance. The idea as a proposition is promoted by revisionists who pervert the history of the founding fathers. Nine of the first 11 presidents were slaveholders, and the contemporary views of racial equality didn't take root until well into the 20th century, Keith. 
Well, <clears throat> what this is, this is an idea, this proposition nation and this idea that somehow America was meant to be different from all other nations and a refuge for everybody, you know, like Emma Lazarus's famous poem that is uh, excerpted at the base of the Statue of Liberty, Give Us Your Tired, Your Huddled Masses, all that. That was Jewish power and influence of the day trying to rationalize their existence in America and their intended leadership of America. We are a nation just like every other nation. We're a nation like the British, like the French, like the uh, people in Tripoli or whatnot, wherever, people in Turkey. Everybody is has a blood and soil nation. If you don't have a blood and soil nation, it's like Ann Coulter said about uh, Yugoslavia and about uh, you know diverse societies everywhere. He said, where in the world has racial diversity existed in a nation and where where it has not been an acute problem, a real problem, a big problem? That's what it was. And those type of nations like Yugoslavia, like the Ottoman Empire all tend to break apart. And that is possibly going to be the future of America unless we basically get people back to what America used to be, which is a nation founded on Anglo-Saxon government principles and values. Uh, as long as we had that, America worked pretty well. When we started departing from that right after World War II, that's when America started to fall apart. Now, so we're, we're not a proposition nation, all right? Uh, we're not. No nation is. No real nation is. No nation that lasts and uh, endure, uh, stands the test of time is a proposition But nation. what did the founding fathers really believe? Now, Jared Taylor wrote the magnum opus on this. It is a short treatment, but it is power-packed and indisputable. He uses their own words. He actually wrote it for Radix Journal, I don't know, maybe a decade or so ago. This is the hidden history. This is the history well, that the is there history. that people never advertise, at least the people in charge of writing history books, of setting the curriculum in your children's schools. They never well, mention this, but this is as real as it gets, well, folks. We're going to read through this a little bit here, and uh, we're going to give you some, some facts, and we're going to get to as much of it as we can. So this is what Jared writes. Prominent conservatives have taken on this notion that today's radical egalitarianism was the nation's goal from its very founding days, but they are badly mistaken. Since early colonial times and until just a few decades ago, virtually all whites believed that race was a fundamental aspect of individual and a group identity. They believed that people of different races had different temperaments and abilities, which of course they do, and built markedly different, uh, different societies. Which, of course, they do. They believe that only people of European stock maintain a society in which they wish to live, and they strongly oppose miscegenation. Thomas Jefferson's views were typical of his generation. Despite what he wrote in the Declaration that he did not, uh, they, they, despite what he wrote in the Declaration about all men being equal, he, you know, again, we established that, that was about the colonists standing vis a vis King George. He did not think that blacks were equal and to Englishmen. whites. He did not think that blacks were equal to whites, noting that, quote, in general, their existence appears to participate more of sensation than reflection, end quote. He hoped slavery would be abolished someday, but, quote, when freed, they should be removed beyond the reach of mixture, end quote. Jefferson also expected whites to eventually displace all of the Indians of the New World. 
Uh, the United States, he wrote, was to be, quote, the nest from which all America, north and south, is to be peopled, end quote, and that the hemisphere was to be entirely European, quote, nor can we contemplate with satisfaction either blot or mixture on that surface. So there you have it. I mean, this whole thing that all men are created equal, this is what all of the progressives, so-called progressives, the woke, the left, and a lot of uh, normie cons and mainstream conservatives say, well, all men are created equal. Yes, that's our founding. Well, what they, what but he was not talking about that. This is what he talks about race. What he was talking about was a brother's quarrel with the king. Right. All men are created equal meant that American colonists were the equal of English citizens. Okay. And he says very clearly that he doesn't mean, in, in uh, many other writings, not perhaps the Declaration, but in many of his other writings, nobody would have thought that at the time. Nobody thought that. In Africa, pygmies and Zulus did not think that they were uh, all equal. Okay. Nowhere in the world did people, common sense people, arrive at that conclusion. That is a fantasy of the left that has been enforced upon us and beaten into our heads and the heads of our children, and it's time to revolt against that. We need to understand that our founding fathers didn't even consider this worthy of debate. This was pure common sense. The lowest person in society, as well as the highest, ascribed to this idea. Now, we're going to give Keith, them, uh, the audience, more examples of what the Founding Fathers wrote about race, flat-out race. You just heard from Thomas Jefferson over the course of the remainder of this hour. How about James Madison? James Madison agreed with Jefferson that the only solution to the race problem was to free the slaves and then expel them. James Madison wrote, quote, to be consistent with existing and probably unalterable prejudices in the U.S., freed blacks ought to be permanently removed beyond the region occupied by or allotted to a white population, end quote. So here are you, you already have Thomas Jefferson and James Madison weighing in. Benjamin Franklin didn't write a lot about race, but he did write this, quote, the number of purely white people in the world is proportionately very small. I wish their numbers were increased, but perhaps I am partial to the complexion of my country, for such kind of partiality is natural to mankind. Franklin therefore opposed bringing more blacks to the United States by writing, why increase the sons of Africa by planting them in America? So here you have now already three prominent founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, Benjamin Franklin. Well, it's quite obvious. <clears throat> Black people like this idea of all men being created equal because they want to be bailed out. But a lot of it's white like conservatives, the, though, say, oh, you know, we're... Well, oh, yeah. The, well, well, even, even our friend Steve well, King, that, and I just think, look, Martin Luther King was a Marxist. He was an anti-white partisan. I agree with the whole thing. You know, judge us by our merit, but, but, judge us by the content of our character, but he didn't yeah, believe that. No, he didn't believe that. that those are expedient uh, comments that he made in order not to rile up the white people at the time, but he didn't believe that. He was all for affirmative action. He was all for reparations. He was all for set-asides, and that came out in his speeches and in his writings before his death. And, and we can certainly you know, agree with that one comment. If you take one comment out of context, we can say we agree with it, but to say that he was a champion of conservative what causes... What do we say here in the South? True. Even a blind hog will find that's a good right, acorn every once in a while? Well, that's what he did. Well, what we're talking about here this hour is... Are we a proposition nation? I think we've already answered that. And what did the Founding Fathers really believe? We've covered Jefferson, Matt, not covered. We've mentioned just a, a little bit. Jefferson, Madison, Benjamin Franklin. We've got more. Hey, we're on the side of the angels here. Stay tuned. Pursuing liberty. Using the Constitution as our guide. 
You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Jerry Varmesh. Donald Trump is telling supporters he was within his rights to have classified documents at Mar-a-Lago after leaving office in 2021. In other words, whatever documents the president decides to take with him, he has the absolute right to do so. That's the law, and it couldn't be more clear. I don't think it could be more clear than that. A crowd in the thousands descended on a small town in South Carolina Saturday for the rally and an Independence Day celebration. Speaking of which, if you're lighting up for the 4th of July, you're not alone. Retail sales of fireworks across the USA will top $2.4 billion this year, according to the American Pyrotechnics Association. That's $100 million more in sales than last year. Scott Schindler with Keystone Fireworks in North Carolina tells CBS 17 it's a welcome sight. I just want to make sure that people are going to have a good 4th of July. The industry group says fireworks use is expected to hit an all-time high this year. They urge people to buy legal fireworks and warn that safety must always be the number one priority. I'm Jeremy Scott. A man with an active warrant related to the January 6th Capitol riot is due in court this week after being arrested near former President Obama's Washington, D.C. home. Secret Service officials detained the 37-year-old suspect Thursday within blocks of the home. Federal prosecutors say a search of Taylor Toronto's van parked nearby turned up two guns, 400 rounds of ammunition, and explosives. A new state law took effect on Saturday in Florida that limits transgender access to bathrooms and locker rooms. The law makes it a crime for someone to use restrooms or locker rooms that don't align with their sex at birth. It applies to publicly owned educational buildings in Florida, as well as government buildings, correctional institutions, and all school changing facilities. I'm Julie Ryan. This is USA News. Omaha Steaks is rewriting the book on burgers with an all-new handmade texture for the juiciest home-style burgers you've ever tasted. Their pure ground burgers are made from single cuts of real aged Omaha Steaks. These are truly steaks on a bun. Filet mignon, ribeye, New York strip, sirloin, and even brisket burgers. Now is the time to experience the exclusive burger perfection flight for just $79.99. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code TREAT at checkout to get an extra $20 off your order plus free shipping. You'll get four of each pure ground burger so you can sample all the steak on a bun greatness. These burgers are crafted for a juicier, more tender experience, making your mouth water with every single bite. Don't wait. Go to omahasteaks.com. Use promo code TREAT at checkout and get $20 off the burger perfection flight and discover your new burger obsession. Minimum order may be required. find reasons to celebrate uh, the 4th of July, look no further than uh, the what the Founding Fathers wrote. I mean, you'll find that they were certainly our countrymen, I mean, you know, to say the least, but they were certainly fellow travelers as well. With and regards- they, they, they had opinions that were founded upon common sense and not pipe dreams. So we've already talked about, look, we're not a propositional nation. We never were. 
Uh, we've talked about the racial beliefs of Thomas Jefferson, the author of our declaration, James Madison, and Benjamin Franklin. How about John Dickinson? Now, you might not know that's not a name that is as familiar as the other three, but he was a Delaware delegate to the Constitutional Convention. And was very and, prominent among the founding fathers when their own councils. Exactly. Thank you, Keith. Uh, and he wrote so effectively in favor of independence that he is known as the penman of the revolution. Now, as was common in his time, he believed that homogeneity, not diversity, was the republic's greatest strength. This is what John Dickinson wrote. Where was there ever a confederacy of republics united as these states are, or in which the people were so drawn together by religion, blood, language, manner, and customs? Now, does that sound like he was a guy that believed we were bounded together by this idea of universal equality? No. Does that sound like the coalition of the others? No. <laughs> Dickinson's views were echoed in the second of the Federalist Papers, in which John Jay gave thanks that, quote, Providence has been pleased to give this one connected country to one united people, end quote. A people uh, descended from the same ancestors, speaking the same language, professing the same religion, attached to the same principles of government, very similar in the manners and customs. We just mentioned that earlier. After the Constitution was ratified in 1788, Americans had to decide who they would allow to become part of their new country. The very first citizenship law passed in 1790, and we've already referred to it uh, once tonight, previously specified that only, quote, free white persons, end quote, could be naturalized, and uh, immigration laws designed to keep the country overwhelmingly white were repealed only in 1965, Keith. Take that, Michelle Bachman and Glenn Beck and all these others that tell you that somehow America was meant to be a proposition nation. It was not. That's out of the words and from the pens of the actual people that founded our nation. And fought to make it a, to make it an independent nation. Yeah, you have to basically stand up. As I used to say when I was in the Boy Scouts, you have to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. And another one of Thomas Jefferson's comments that I think is pertinent on this is that people who beat their swords into plowshares will soon be plowing for those who don't. Okay? Let's talk about Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln would have been described as a white supremacist uh, had he been alive today and had the same beliefs every that he had Every one of then. the founding fathers, every president up to John F. Kennedy would have That's been right. That's right. Well, you know, Lincoln, had it not been for this carefully cultivated mythology of Lincoln, I mean, Lincoln which, was, which was right uh, after on some his things. Death. That, that was a product of people after his death that wanted to turn him into a hero. Well, this is what Lincoln said in his own words. Let's let Lincoln speak for himself. He considered blacks to be, and I quote, a troublesome presence, end quote, in the United States. During the Lincoln-Douglas debates, he stated this, and I quote again, I am not, this is Abraham Lincoln speaking, who I have, the no, great emancipator. I have no affection for, to say the least. I am not, nor have I ever been in favor of making voters or jurors of Negroes, this is his words, nor of qualifying them to hold office, nor to intermarry with white people. And I will say in addition to this, that uh, there is a physical difference between the white and black races, which I believe will forever forbid the two races living together on terms of social and political equality. Now, I don't see that in any of the fanciful Lincoln mythology that we are presented with today. I never see his own words actually mentioned. Yeah, I doubt that that would really go over well at an NAACP meeting today. Well, Lincoln opposed the expansion of slavery outside of the South. Now, he was not an abolitionist. He, he, he made war on the Confederacy to preserve the Union, but he would have accepted Southern slavery as he explicitly stated in perpetuity 
if that would have kept the South from seceding. Now, again, we mentioned this with Steve King earlier. The, the only question was um, either there, there was only two things that could have come from that. Either, number one, the war wasn't all about slavery or the South didn't believe him. And I don't know which one that was. Well, let me tell you. What Lincoln really wanted was to keep the American South in its status as an agricultural colony of the North. He wanted us to pay all the taxes and to provide money for internal improvements in the North. All those railroads that you heard of, that you saw on your Monopoly board, the Baltimore and Ohio, the B&O, the Reading Railroad, the Pennsylvania Railroad, Grand Trunk Railroad, all these things were made with federal assistance. None of the record uh, in the South, our railroads were our wide, slow-moving rivers. Like I told Steve King, there was only one major east-west railroad in the Confederacy at the beginning of the Civil War, and that was the Memphis to Charleston Railroad, and that was made entirely from private funds, no federal assist. That's why the South felt that their cow was being milked through the fence by the North, and they thought that was an intolerable situation. They did not want to be an agricultural colony of the North, and Abraham Lincoln knew that it, without being able to get the South and their money to finance all this, he couldn't expand the country and interconnect it the way that he wanted to, and that's why he fought the Civil War. He Basically, for the first two years of the war, the last thing that he wanted to talk about was freeing the slaves. He called on August the 14th, 1862, a White House meeting of all the black leaders of America at the time to convince them that they needed to talk their people into moving out of the United States after they were freed. He wanted to free them, but then he wanted them out of the United States. That does not sound like the great emancipator myth that we've all heard through other years. Now, we've just mentioned Lincoln speaking from his own words and his own mind about race, but what about his opponent, Stephen Douglas, in that uh, historical debate? He was even more outspoken uh, about uh, racial uh, issues. Debate for the senator, senatorial position in Illinois, one of the two senators. Correct. Positions. Thank you, Keith. Uh, this is what Stephen Douglas uh, said during the that 1850s. debate. For one, I am opposed to Negro citizenship in any form. I believe that this government was made on the white basis. I believe it was made by white men for the benefit of white men and their posterity forever. And I'm in favor of confining the citizenship to white men, men of European birth and European descent, instead of conferring it upon Negroes and Indians and the inferior races. This is, again, I'm quoting directly from Stephen Douglas, so we're not going to edit anything here but this is interesting it wasn't just that all of the founding fathers and even the so-called great emancipator abraham, abraham lincoln. lincoln but stephen douglas but the media this was covered this the stephen douglas uh, excuse this me, this is great the uh abraham lincoln uh, the lincoln douglas debate was covered by the chicago times daily which was a democratic newspaper and the chicago times daily after uh quoting that particular passage I just read from Douglas during the Lincoln-Douglas debates, there was an editorial insert added to the article, parenthetical insert added by the editorial staff of the then Chicago Daily Times that reads, good for you, Douglas forever. So even the media, Keith, as late as the 1860s, 1850s. <laughs> the truth of the matter is Lincoln's opinion and his public pronouncement changed dramatically on January the 1st, 1863. Up until then, he did everything he could to distance himself from the idea that the war was about freeing slaves. But then, 
1863, it became apparent to him, as it was apparent to the leaders of the Confederacy, that the only way the Confederacy was going to win the war was the way that the revolution, that the American patriots in the American Revolution won their war, and that was by enlisting a major European power to join them, to become their ally. For example, the French Navy didn't fire a shot at uh, Yorktown, but their presence outside of Yorktown prevented the English Navy from coming to rescue Lord Cornwallis and his British troops, and that's what led to his ultimate surrender. The South knew that their most likely candidate as an ally among the powers of Europe at the time was going to be England because they were the main user of, Eng of southern agricultural products like cotton, indigo, uh, things like that, tobacco. So they thought that that would be the great uh, po potential ally that would break and join the South and help the South win the war. Well, Lincoln was a master strategist, if nothing else. He said, I know that England is very unique. They're the only nation in the world that has legislatively abolished slavery. It was done in 1833 in Parliament under the leadership of Wilbur, uh, William Wilberforce. Well, that was only 30 years earlier than 1863. 30 years earlier than today would be 1993. That doesn't seem like a long time ago to me. But let me tell you, because of that, Lincoln surmised correctly that if he made the war a crusade to end slavery, then there would be enough fellow travelers in England who took pride in being part of the abolition movement that they would resist England joining the Confederacy and that would torpedo and sabotage that thought. That's why he did the Emancipation Proclamation and everything else so that he could sway public opinion in England. Was America a proposition nation? What did the Founding Fathers really believe? We're answering those questions this hour. One more segment to go. Stay tuned. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. Matthew 24, 24 teaches us that the church is deceived today. Deceived Christians call themselves Judeo-Christians. Around 1900, Jews commissioned the Schofield Reference Bible, which transformed the Jews from Christian killers to the chosen people. Here's the truth. America is in the Bible. Revelation 21. Our form of government came down from heaven. Verse 3. The many Christian ministers at the Constitutional Convention sought God's will. The God-given rights in the Constitution were ordained by God. America is the new promised land for Christian Israel, and Christians are the true chosen people. True Israel is Christian. Listen to Jesus, quote, my sheep follow me, unquote, and 
quote, you do not believe because you are not my sheep, unquote. John 10, 25 through 27. The beast has transformed America into the woman mystery Babylon, Revelation chapter 17. For the complete Bible study, write to Christian Knuckles, P.O. Box 210813, Royal Palm Beach, Florida, 33421. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's We may still be the home of the brave. I don't know so much about the land of the free anymore, but I'll tell you, you can still get behind the original flag if you read the thoughts of of the founding fathers. The original founding fathers, the ones that really crafted our documents, founding documents, and led the nation, were, unsurprisingly, Southerners. People like James Madison, George Mason, George Washington, Well, they certainly didn't back around racial issues. And no. sharing their thoughts Everybody on Everybody really throughout the nation was of one mind when it came to racial issues back then. Now, let's get on. It's only a three-hour show, but I could go on forever proving to you that the record from colonial times to the end of the war between the states is one of starkly inegalitarian views. In fact, it would uh, be very hard to find a prominent American who spoke about race in today's terms. And going back to Jared Taylor's most excellent uh, treatment of what the Founding Fathers really believed, which he produced for Radix Journal many, many years ago, and he writes, even if we restrict the field to American presidents, a group notoriously disinclined to say anything controversial, we find that Jefferson and Lincoln's thinking of race continued well into the modern era. Here's James Garfield. James Garfield wrote, Late 19th century president of the United States. I have a strong feeling of repugnance when I think of the Negro being made our political equal, and I would be glad if they could be colonized, sent to heaven, or got rid of it in any decent way. Now, <laughs> now, now listen, that's President James Garfield speaking. That's a president of the United States. We're called white supremacists. <laughs> Um, anyway, <laughs> so, I mean, that's the, 
I guess that was a joke, but <laughs> well, look, you know, this is uh, that gives a lie to the Michelle Bachman, Glenn Beck view of our of, uh, what other generations, prior generations yeah. thought they were not on board with the Jewish conceived notion of racial egalitarianism the- that rules today. Theodore Roosevelt wrote in 1901 that. Uh, he had, quote, not been able to think out any solution to the terrible problem offered by the presence of the Negro on this continent, end quote. Now, I'm quoting the Founding Fathers. If you've got a problem with that, you're at the SBLC. And, and I would like to welcome, as we do every week, all of the listeners tonight from the ASBLC, the ADL, the FBI, the CIA. you got a problem Hosting with this? our writings. <laughs> Take it up with Theodore Roosevelt and Abraham Lincoln and James Madison and all the rest. Woodrow Wilson was a confirmed segregationist, and uh, as president of Princeton, he refused to admit blacks. Warren Harding wanted the se- uh, races separate. He said, quote, men of both races, white and black, may well stand uncompromisingly against every suggestion of social equality. This is not a question of social equality, but a question of recognizing a fundamental, eternal, inescapable difference, racial amalgamation, there cannot be, end quote. This is Warren Harding, Keith. In President 19- in, ni- in the 19, early 1920s just succeeded the Wilson administration. This is what the first, you know. Uh, so we're already uh, into the 1900s. The, the now. head I mean, of our forget, government. Forget, in forget the 1920s. late 1700s, 1800s. We're in the early 1900s now. And here, here is. Uh, vice President-elect Calvin Coolidge in 1921. The next one. 20, well, 20, but he was the vice president first, and then became the president, yes. But 20, he, he wrote in Good Housekeeping Magazine, I mean, can you imagine, about the basis for sound immigration policy. This is what Calvin Coolidge wrote, and I quote. Supposedly a liberal New Englander, by the way. There are racial considerations too grave to be brushed aside for any sentimental reasons. Biological laws tell us that certain divergent people will not mix or blend Quality of mind and body suggests that observance of ethnic law is as great a necessity to a nation as immigration law, end quote. How about Harry Truman? Now, here we are into the 1950s. This is after World War II. Harry Truman wrote, quote, I am strongly of the opinion that Negroes ought to be in Africa, yellow men in Asia, and white men in Europe and America. This is the 1950s, end quote. Uh, he also referred to blacks on the White House staff as, I can't even tell you what he took off there because it's a, an army of C-word. Uh, well, all right, just go ahead and tell him. Uh, army of coons is what he said, right? All right, that's what he said. Uh, as recent a president as Dwight Eisenhower argued that although it might be necessary to grant blacks certain political rights, this did not mean social equality or, quote, that a Negro should court my daughter, end quote. It is only with John Kennedy that we finally find a president whose conception of race even begins to flirt with acceptable, uh, to be acceptable by today's standards. So, again, today's egalitarians are therefore racial dissenters from traditional American thinking all the way up to the 1960s. When they tell you that Americans and America's leadership thought like they did, they are flat out lying. And were you woke, progressive, or a conservative who was cucked, a conception of America as a nation of people with common values, culture, and heritage, yes, race, is far more faithful to the vision of the founders. So I am glad to stand with the founders all the way up to Dwight Eisenhower, who... I'll take any of those presidents over Joe Biden any day. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, look at what they wrote. I mean, we're, we're using their own words here. And I didn't and also look it. at how successful America was under them and what a joke we are to the rest of the world under the current administration. All right. So, Keith, the main topics of this hour were to answer two questions. Is America a proposition nation? And what did the founding fathers really believe? These are two topics, two questions we certainly wanted to cover on this Independence Day weekend. And uh, the answer is the answer is no and no. (laughs) Well, well, I mean, what the fathers, founding fathers really believed that the answer can't be no. The founding fathers did not believe what Michelle Bachman, Glenn Beck and all the people on the left tell you they believe. They are lying to you, pure and simple. Right. Or they do, may be lying out of ignorance or uh, lying out of mendacity. Either way, they're wrong. You think we did a pretty good job of giving the audience some ammunition? And, you know, we one of our listeners in Virginia writes that he uses the ammunition that he gets from TPC in conversation with his colleagues and with his family. We actually posted a collection, an assortment of 10 testimonials to our website, also to our email list, uh, just a couple of days ago. Uh, it was wonderful stuff. Listen, and that only even begins to scratch the surface of the amount of correspondence we've received to that end. And Keith, you wanted to say something, uh, a note of affection or a word of affection to our audience tonight. We had a, listen, it's been a tough year. It's been a tough year with the Biden economy. Uh, we've, we've had some problems. A lot of our regular donors are saying, listen, I'm too pinched at the gas pump and at the grocery store, all the rising cost of goods and services uh, to donate. But we had a very, 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 very good week this week to shore us up for the second quarter and i want to thank god first and our audience in a very close second for our our godly audience let's put it that way we have people who are the salt of the earth and they listen to us and we're very gratified that they find what we're saying edifying this is important to us i think we fill up important niche we're pro-southern pro-white and pro-christian and we don't uh Away from any of those. Yeah, we don't shrink from any of those positions, and I think there is a big audience for that out there. Quite frankly, if we were on major media, I think we would knock Clay and uh, Buck and people like this out of the water. Uh, but, of course, we're doing this on a shoestring, and you're the ones that provide us with the shoestrings, ladies and gentlemen. Thank God for you. Thank heaven for our audience. Without you, there would be no political cesspool. Well, that's right, and we're thankful to have the opportunity to come here and speak the truth in uh, this age of lies. I mean, there. But the, the, the truth is, and, and again, we go back to our friend Brad Griffin here, who wrote some years ago. Um, all you have to do is find the best of the best and quote them, and you've got a good show. We've done that tonight with Jared Taylor, Brad Griffin, and uh, Charles Callis of uh, and Steve King. Uh, Steve was great. Yes, absolutely. But there were no women. There were no people of color. There were no transgenders who signed the Declaration of Independence we're or the about Constitution. We're to correct that regarding women. Wait till the third hour, folks. <laughs> well, we got we got some good women, but I'm just saying that they didn't sign the Declaration of Independence. It was only white men. Blacks were covered in the Constitution by the Fugitive Slave Clause and the Three-Fifths Compromise. They didn't gain citizenship until 1866. There I were remember no- when Sam Francis lost weight dramatically, and he said now he has... Uh, empathy with black people because he now knows what it feels like to be three-fifths of a man. (laughs) (laughs) He'd lost so much weight. There were no trans people or LGBTQ who signed the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution. So if you want a reason to go shoot off fireworks, there you go. The United States was created by white males. It wasn't just white people who created the the, uh, America. 
uh, America and who fought and died. Can benefit from it, but do not usurp the position of white males. Well, they, they in were the, the founding ones, and the development of the United States. Of they created it. They fought and died for it. It was overwhelmingly, and by the way, not just white, but Anglo-Saxon Americans, uh, Americans of British ancestry. The founding fathers created a white republic in the Constitution. It's by their founding documents, their founding laws, their founding writings. That shaped who could become an American citizen until the 1960s. American citizenship was based upon whiteness, regardless of how you feel, uh, feel about America. It's unquestionable that that's a fact. It was our creation. And, and, and there's other things going on in the world today I would have loved to have mentioned. Bolsonaro was found guilty in Brazil. He can't run again for eight years. There's racial riots in France. We would have covered this normally. But tonight's the 4th of July. We the heel of tyranny is descending upon good people everywhere. And we will fight uh, rhetorically against this uh, at every opportunity. We will be, we will speak for the truth. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, members of our listening audience who supported us during our second quarter fundraising drive, which just ended yesterday. If you're listening live, we love you. You got some great gifts coming if you haven't received them already. We got still got another hour to go, if you can believe it. It feels like we put in the full night's work already. Steve King, this hour tonight, this was a pretty good hour. Saving the best for last. Courtney of Alabama <laughs> is in the on-deck circle swinging the weighted bat. All right. She'll be with us in a few minutes. Stay tuned. <laughs> you're right, Keith. Thanks for listening to Project Schoolyard Volume 2. For more information about the project, as well as lyric to the songs on this CD, please visit www.tightrope.cc. You can also find jokes, news articles, a photo gallery, free CD downloads, and a secure online shopping cart. We carry a full line of flags, t-shirts, CDs, books, stickers, and other products of interest to racially conscious white people. Please visit www.tightrope.cc. Is there a count somewhere? You're listening to Resolution Radio. 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 ResolutionRDO.com. Herbs have been used by people since the dawn of time. When Rockefeller introduced allopathic medicine, many herbal remedies fell by the wayside as people put their faith in prescription pills and the world just gets sicker. Here at Heathen Herbs, we look to the past and to nature for answers. We offer tinctures, magnesium skin cream, lip balm, tooth powder, colloidal silver throat spray, and more. Check us out at heathenherbs.com. You're listening to the Political Cess Pool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. Team at Antelope Hill is proud to announce the release of a new translation, Leon de Grel in Exile by Jose Luis Jerez Reisco. Readers of The Burning Souls will already be familiar with de Grel's life before and during the Second World War, his service on the Eastern Front, and his involuntary post-war exile in Franco's Spain. This new work tells the story of his life in exile in detail, replete with first-hand accounts from Spanish nationalists and friends of de Grel. During his time in Spain, de Grel did not wallow in sadness, despite the atrocities inflicted upon him and his family by the victorious Allied powers. 
he stayed remarkably active in European nationalist politics and left a lasting impression on both his personal friends and those from around the European world who took inspiration from his tenacious idealism. De Grel's enduring legacy in Spain is well-deserved. Such a legacy also deserves to be spread to both sides of the Atlantic and beyond. Antelope Hill is proud to be the first to bring this unparalleled biography to the English reader. Get Leon de Grel in exile today at antelopehillpublishing.com. Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program, and here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Matchhead, uh, they must have been to Memphis and uh, <laughs> today. Right. And they were actually in Greenwich Village, so can, ima- can you imagine how hot it must have been in Memphis? Uh, it's that it's hot in Greenwich Village. 115 degree heat index today, 100% humidity. You can imagine what it was like mowing the grass, which I did before I came to the studio tonight. You can't even, I, lo- I, I actually weigh what I did in high school now uh, <laughs> to that particular mow. But uh, anyway, no, it's hot as hell. It's funny. You know Bozo's. You know Bozo's Barbecue? Oh, you I love Bozo's. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite places. I went to Bozo's for my wife's, my father-in-law's, I was going to say my wife's father, my father-in-law's birthday a couple of days ago, and the air conditioner was out. And it was packed, as it always is at Bozo's. And I went up to pay, and I'd sweated through my whole meal. And I went up to pay, and the cashier, rural southern girl, as you would expect, she goes, she came back flummoxed from the back of the kitchen, and she was waving gesturing her hands and she says you you wake up in the morning and you you try to read read the word and then you come in here and people act like the devil and i said well it's probably because it's hot as hell in here <laughs> <laughs> I just, anyway and it, it, it is hot as hell i mean it is it is as bad as it gets but uh, so, as hell's hinges as we used to say <laughs> but anyway hey listen we've got a little bit of free time we got one segment of free time let's talk about we got four minutes to talk about three Supreme Court decisions. So where do you want to go, Keith? The affirmative action ruling. It's not as good as people want to believe, but it can't be worse than the previous system. These Harvard, if, if it was based on merit, as the Reverend Dr. King or is it the Dr. Reverend King, if it was really based on merit, you would have 0% of blacks at Harvard. I think they're going to find a way around it. I don't think it's John a great Darby victory. John just wrote an article. He said, can we live with point? Yes. Zero seven six uh, uh, percentage. It's of- not as good as we think it is, and it's still not going to get you into Vanderbilt where you should have been. But nevertheless, uh, give it. Give me well, one well, minute on well, it. Give John me one Darbyshire apparently wants to uh, endorse. You got one minute and uh, endorse unfairness because that's what 
affirmative action is. It is a violation of meritocracy, which is the only fair way to determine who gets the goodies in society and who doesn't, based on objective findings. Well, basically what John Roberts did was what Lewis Powell did in the Bakke decision. He gave the left an escape And you covered this with the congressman in the first hour, briefly. Yeah, yeah, and see... What we need to remember is, though, that this is stronger than the Bakke decision, stronger than the DeFunis decision, stronger than Grutter and uh, Bollinger case back in the early 2000s. So what can we do with it? What can be done is if Trump or, let's say, some other, somebody like DeSantis becomes president, what we can do is we can basically take the whole civil rights division of the Justice Department and the entire EEOC, give them pink slips, and replace them with people that think like you, me, and the listeners in this show. And we can enforce meritocracy. We can put a representative at the admissions office of Harvard, Yale, Stanford, all these other, all the Ivy League colleges, all the select colleges throughout the nation, and enforce a strict meritocracy. Who are the highest scores on the SAT? It'll be white nations. They're the ones you get, yeah. And sometimes Jews. Well, what will happen, according to Ron Unz, is that whites and Asians will gain positions. Jews and blacks will lose positions. All right. So uh, zero to ten, how powerful and how profound of a decision is this? I'd say it's between a seven and a half and an eight. Really? That's higher? I would say about a five. I, 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 only because these 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 administrations at these universities are going to say, well, we're not using race. I mean, we like the, 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 the black girl who got a nine on her they ACT. Will lie, but that's why the only way you can enforce this and try to mandate fairness is the way the left did against the South. They decided that James Meredith ought to go to the University of Mississippi and things like that, see? So we need to do the same thing here. We need to have somebody right. there in the admissions office saying, don't worry your pretty little head about what your admitting class is going to be. We'll handle that there for you. It'll be That's done we... on a strict meritocratic <laughs> basis. All right. We're going to spend an hour on each of these. We've got one segment for three. Student loans. That was a pretty big decision. Now, my opinion on student loans is, yes, student loans is a racket. It's one of the most egregious rackets that there possibly is. This is almost as bad as transgenderism because these kids are going in and they're taking out these predatory loans and, and then they're getting degrees that are useless. Well, what happens with minorities? They get in. They can't handle the normal curriculum. So they get a black for... studies or a women's studies. Yeah, but like, but they... So they're paying through the All nose right. for a worthless no, degree. No, 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 no. We're paying through the nose because it's taxpayer-funded student yeah. loans. Biden, this was the ruling, Biden does not have the legal authority to waive more than $400 billion. $400 billion he was trying to waive because mostly support groups of the regime are getting these loans and not paying them back. Oh, to the government. Now, what a racket. Most degrees are worthless. Uh, Particularly in today's now, colleges. one of our listeners emailed me earlier this week, or, and he said that he took out one year of loans. It took him years to pay it back, but he paid them back. Now, most of the people who want these gifts belong to support groups of the regime. And then you say, well, if they get them, why don't the people who paid them back get a concession as well? It's all bad. Now, it is a predatory system. It needs to be reformed. That's a whole different situation. Well, I'll tell you how they can handle it. But, but all it. the people pr protesting this, Keith, are, are non-whites. It's, it's That's right. Blind. And what they could do right now, the bankruptcy law does not allow them to discharge those debts in bankruptcy. That's what they could do. They could say that now we're going to change the bankruptcy law and let them do it. And I guarantee you, 99 out of 100 of those minorities will take bankruptcy, wipe it out, 
and laugh at the uh, government. Basically, though, look at this. If giving away federal tax receipts is unconstitutional, then there is no reason for the existence of either Democrat or Republican parties now because that's what they're – that's what their job is once they get to Washington is giving away our money to either Ukraine or minorities or someone else. You know, it's just crazy. They are going to give away the money. That's what they are. It's basically goblin giveaway. It is a uh, a big charitable enterprise that they're running in D.C. Now, there's one more Supreme Court decision. And again, we could have spent an hour or we could have spent. Spent, yeah, spent is the word. An hour on each of these three, but the Supreme Court decision in the so-called 303 creative case. 303 is an area code in Colorado. Now, uh, the homosexuals who uh, say they were so offended by, uh, by the Christian bakery not wanting to bake their cake for their marriage some years ago, huge Supreme Court case. This new ruling, they say, green lights discrimination in, a, in spite of the civil rights laws. It brought back difficult memories for us. But basically, the Supreme Court is saying if you're a Christian, if you have sincere and fundamental religious disagreements against baking a cake for a homosexual couple, you don't have to. Yes, Harriet, there is such a thing as freedom of religion in the First Amendment, and you cannot be forced to do something. Now, why these guys, why these two homosexuals couldn't have just gone to Walmart or Kroger and gotten their cake? I, I think we were talking about this at supper tonight. To Target, they would probably jump through hoops. They'd probably give them a free cake. What? They're probably targeting this one Christian bakery just to make a president for this former case. But the Supreme Court got it right here. They got it right on student loans. They got it right on affirmative action. It's just a shame that you have to go to all that time, trouble, and expense to do something that is so apparent under the First Amendment. All right. We got to take a break. We got three segments remaining. Two key contributors to the show Courtney from Alabama and Scoop. Antelope Hill Publishing is America's leading publisher of dissident books, bringing you a wide variety of new translations and original works on every subject from the Spanish Civil War to the funding behind the transgender movement. Antelope Hill publishes books that mainstream publishers won't touch, full of information that challenges the political status quo and brings real culture to the reading public at an affordable price. If you count yourself as a political dissident, then you owe it to yourself to check out the Antelope Hill catalog with exclusive offerings like Rebel Mountain by Kurt Eggers, a brand new reprint of the infamous You Gentiles by Marie Samuel, and now the treatise of a January 6th prisoner in the American regime. There is something there for everyone, and new titles are added every month. Check out the complete catalog today at antelopehillpublishing.com. That's antelopehillpublishing.com. I'm James Edwards, and I want you to check out antelopehillpublishing.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries.
song and uh if it had been as hot and as humid as it is now when chad and jeremy wrote that song we'd have never had that one keith <laughs> they'd be performing with their shirts off and in shorts <laughs> but anyway it is fourth of july weekend and what a great weekend i mean we're celebrating it with steve king and then um our own come we're celebrating with each other and our audience and now we're celebrating with an unparalleled uh, <laughs> uh person of note here at the political cesspool courtney of alabama well that's absolutely right and as a matter of fact i'll share this with you and courtney and with everybody else listening i actually went back to the broadcast archives to last july july of 2022 to see how we worded it was it uh, the tpc fourth of july spectacular and the independence day extravaganza or was it the other way around and then i saw that courtney was with us and of course last fourth of july as well as she uh, she so often is on holidays and uh, so she's back with us again tonight so courtney what do you have for us take it away Okay. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, well, first of all, as everybody knows, I I like to decorate for every holiday, including the Fourth of July, and I I like to I like to listen to patriotic music and play it for my kids. We like to watch uh, the Patriot movie. I talk about George Washington today to my daughter and. Um, I, I talked about I, I, I talked uh, explained George Washington to my daughter today and what a, a great person he was and um, and so anyways uh, I you know I celebrate I know it, not, it might not be popular with a lot of people and and or and uh, you know but maybe, I, I don't know what percentage of the audience but it's just uh, I celebrate it still not because of modern America but because I do it for our ancestors these were great men the founders uh, the, the founding fathers were admirable people as was early America in general you know the settlers and the pioneers and the founding fathers and the early settlers of America are taken for granted so much today and they get so much criticism um, I think I think they even get taken for granted and criticized even in in our movement a lot um, you know just just like how you know Anglo-Saxons and what they've created gets criticized a lot in general uh, you know the, the formation of early America it's not, you know, that that wasn't, it wasn't easy. There were a lot of hardships they went through. That was a very rough life. Uh, and, you know, and, and the, you know, just fighting, fighting the war they had to fight to give us our freedom and, you know, the original war for independence and, you know, exploring a continent, fighting a wilderness, fighting savages. And the ideas they came up with, the freedoms that we have now, that they came up with, the original freedoms, 
that the men in that room wrote about, you know, the original ones, not the ones that got added later, <laughs> the original ones. It's so easy to take it for granted now, but those were monumental ideas at the time. And, you know, another thing, one of the greatest things that not only our founding fathers, but Anglo-Saxons around the world, no matter what colonies they founded, one of the greatest things that they did that a lot of other people did not do, and Keith has mentioned this before, they thought of the wonderful idea of bringing British women over with them so that they could have a nice white country. <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful idea? And aren't we thankful for that now? Um, instead of mixing with savages and, you know, creating a mixed race uh, See, they were totally different. Um, the English settlers were totally different from, let's say, Spanish settlers. They, Spain, Spaniards came to the New World to make a hatful and go back home and live in luxury. We actually settled these areas, and quite frankly, that's what they call the Anglosphere. America is the crown jewel of the Anglosphere, but Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Rhodesia, and South Africa, all were populated by English men and women, and because of that, basically they proved that the quality of English Anglo-Saxon stock was so good that you could plant them anywhere in the world that had a reasonable temperature and reasonably fertile soil, and they've turned it into garden spots. And closing the prison population, which is said. Oh, yeah, they scraped the bottom of the barrel, and they got these people to places like Australia and America and uh, Rhodesia, places like that, and they turned every one of them into a garden spot. We're the destinations. It's not just a matter of wealth. People aren't clamoring to go to China. They're not clamoring to go to Saudi Arabia. They are clamoring to go to parts of the Anglosphere. There you go. There you go. And, and, and it is a part of our Anglo-Saxon heritage. Courtney, now listen, Courtney is a mother. She's a wife. She has family in town for the 4th of July. Always busy. She didn't get to hear the second hour live. And if you are tuning in live now and you missed the second hour, I will say this to both you and Courtney. Go back and listen to the second hour where we settle, I think, definitively the two questions. Was America a proposition nation, and what did the Founding Fathers really believe? It was really, I think, Keith and I, Keith, you and I were talking about it in between the second and third hours. I thought it was uh, it was an hour to remember. But, Courtney, continue on. Thank you. You know, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, on the topic of the British and, you know, Anglo-Saxons that we've created, you know, the criticism we get in the movement for, you know, faults, you know, like any stuff that has happened since World War II or, or leadership and, you know, but, uh, you know, I want to let, let's focus on, uh, gosh, there's so many good things that my people have done. One thing that we don't get credit for is, you know, here in America, uh, well, or all around the world, actually, where the British settled, the Anglosphere, they did a lot to increase the white population by inviting so many immigrants in from Europe. I mean, it, don't they say that there's more Irish in America than there are in Ireland, Keith, and uh, so many I, other I, I wouldn't countries? doubt it a bit. We've increased the white population. We we don't get credit for that. We we get criticized for what we did wrong. You know, it's like stuff like and that. everywhere we've gone, and, we've left it better than it was when we came. Right, and uh, if there is a weakness of the Anglosphere, I'd say it's that we've been too darn nice to too many people, and we don't get much in return for it. 
And uh, don't don't take the Anglo-Saxon man for granted. I won't be surprised if one day he was so tired of getting pushed against the wall so much that, you know, he might reclaim his ethnic pride he had during the colonial period of his empire, and he might start kicking people out of his countries. You don't know. Is that what people really want? I mean, so uh, let's not... Well, Courtney, what is that poem of- by Rudyard Kipling where he says, when the Anglo-Saxon something or other, what is that, James? You remember? He has it. There's a poem. When the Saxon begins to hate. Yeah, that's right. When the Saxon begins to hate. Read that poem. That's what Courtney is talking about. There you go. There you go. How much time do I have in this segment before I go on? Oh, I would say a minute or two. Okay. Okay. I guess I have time to start this next thing that's related. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think. I don't think we should be fighting Russia. You know, I, I, I wish the best for every white ethnic group around the world and their struggles for survival. I don't think we should be fighting them. Um, but uh, I also have no desire to move there, you know, like a lot of other people in our movement seem to want to do. And well, We uh, actually and had something a few, uh, a few weeks, maybe a couple of months ago now, where supposedly, purportedly, it was announced in media at least, uh, that Russia is creating a, an area for American expats. Well, let me say this. What did World War well, One, World War Two, and the Russian-Ukraine war have in common one, they were concocted by Jewish power and influence, and two, they were intended to kill off white Gentile Christians, both in World War One, World War Two, and in this war. Ukrainians killing Russians. Who can be happy with that? Well, people that want to see white Gentile numbers in the world diminished. That's why. That's how, what I take well, about it. I think it's a great tragedy that they're fighting, just like I think yeah. that World War One and World War Two were great tragedies. Well, I think it's surprising that they're they're starting to let Americans come over because I I, I, I mean I'm talking about Russia. I wouldn't think they would want a ton of Anglo-Saxons pouring in. But the thing is, is overall the Anglo-Saxon countries are really all we have as Anglo-Saxons. There really aren't too many parts of the world that are going to take us in. And here we are in our own country being too nice to everybody else, letting too many people in, so we don't have our own areas. So what we need to, what I think we need to do, again, I'm not a leader, we need to set our own areas. We have people in our movement who are Anglo-Saxon descended from the founders who are constantly criticizing their people. Hold on right there. You got to celebrate it, not to belittle it. Got to take a break. We'll be right back with Courtney from Alabama. Okay. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Jerry Barmash. Former President Trump is under fire for pressuring Arizona's former governor to overturn the 2020 election results. The Washington Post reports during the presidential election, Trump called Governor Doug Ducey and encouraged him to find enough votes to overcome his loss in Arizona. Former Trump attorney Tim Parlatore says on CNN, that's not surprising. That was really the effort uh, throughout that time was to go to the states and try and get them to do investigations to find fraud. Ducey told donors about the calls earlier this year and said Trump was putting him under pressure to overturn the election. 
Court rulings Friday on abortion are affecting laws in two states. The Indiana Supreme Court has upheld the state's first-of-its-kind abortion ban with limited exceptions following last year's overturning of Roe v. Wade by the U.S. Supreme Court. Abortions will now be banned starting as early as August. However, a lawsuit challenging it on grounds of religious freedom is expected to be heard in September. Meanwhile, in North Carolina, a federal judge ruled that a ban on most abortions after 12 weeks of pregnancy could go into effect on Saturday, but temporarily blocked the provision requiring doctors to document the location of early pregnancies with ultrasound evidence before prescribing abortion meds. I'm Jeremy Scott. After four nights of protests over the shooting death of a 17-year-old by a police officer, a quiet and solemn crowd gathered on Saturday at a mosque in Paris for the funeral of Nahel Merzouk. The teen was shot in the chest Tuesday while sitting at the wheel of a Mercedes. Three, two, one. A SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket with a Euclid Space Telescope launched on Saturday for the European Space Agency from Cape Canaveral. This is USA News. Omaha Steaks is rewriting the book on burgers with an all-new handmade texture for the juiciest home-style burgers you've ever tasted. Their pure ground burgers are made from single cuts of real aged Omaha Steaks. These are truly steaks on a bun. Filet mignon, ribeye, New York strip, sirloin, and even brisket burgers. Now is the time to experience the exclusive burger perfection flight for just $79.99. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code TREAT at checkout to get an extra $20 off your order plus free shipping. You'll get four of each pure ground burger so you can sample all the steak on a bun greatness. These burgers are crafted for a juicier, more tender experience, making your mouth water with every single bite. Don't wait. Go to OmahaSteaks.com. Use promo code TREAT at checkout and get $20 off the burger perfection flight and discover your new burger obsession. Minimum order may be required. I'm praying uh, for either autumn to come or death, whichever will come <laughs> most mercifully. <laughs> uh, it's as hot as it is right now, uh, this 4th of July weekend. Uh, you're, you're, your mic's completely off. I don't know where you're at right now. Something's up. Let me put this. I was saying James hates heat almost as much as he hates vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> it's close. It's close. Uh, but uh, but uh, what I do love about this time of year is the 4th of July show, our spectacular, our extravaganza. We use them in interchangeably, like the media uses white nationalists and white supremacists interchangeably, so we can do that too. Uh, but we're back with Courtney from Alabama, and she's got a few more things to say. Courtney, it's all yours. Okay, right before the break, I was talking about people in our movement who are descended from the founders, just like the three of us are, um, who are Anglo-Saxon themselves, just like we are. There's a lot of self-hatred and criticism that goes around, 
And, uh, you know, what I'm about to say might sound really mean, but I, I don't know. I think it needs to be said. But if you're somebody who's not Anglo-Saxon and descended from the founders and you're you're constantly criticizing us and what we've created and, and you're, you're, you know, you're black-pilled about our future and you don't think we're going to amount to anything in the future um, and we all need to move somewhere else. Um, and you don't, you don't, you also don't plan to leave to go back to your country of origin. I mean, I think people like that should at least keep their mouths shut and stop bringing the rest of us down who are trying to fight for our homelands. If it's so bad, why are you here? That's what I would say. Yeah. If you're, if we're so bad, why are you here? If you don't like America, don't let the door hit you in the ass when you leave. That's right. the way I look at it. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm Right. And, uh, you know, and I hate coming on here and being negative, but this stuff just really gets to me. I get real emotional over this topic. I love my ancestors, and I'm tired of them getting criticized from all sides constantly. I mean, it's, it's just constant, it seems. Where's the gratitude for all the good things we've done? Well, America and, started uh, to slide once they opened the floodgates of immigration. And that's, you know, that's unfortunately a truth. You know, there's no, nothing that you can really argue about Keith, on that. What do you see behind you? Right. What do I see behind you? Right there on the wall. What, what is that? A Confederate flag. Do you have an, uh, a Yankee flag, well, a.k.a. the American flag at your house this weekend? Uh, not out flying it. I've got one. Uh, come I'll on. fold it up. Then I, I got when my father died and he was being All buried. Right. He got it from the uh, right. VFW or we something. We keep that one. Yeah, but. That's on the other hand, I'm not flying the flag because, quite frankly, if I flied it, flew it, I would be flying it upside down in today's <laughs> world. There we go, Cordy. Back to you. Because we're in okay. distress. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see. I, I, I guess it's, this is a good time to bring this up. Um, something you know, something I notice when I go back and watch the January sixth footage something that i get very teary-eyed and emotional over that it really causes me to choke up there's there's certain footage that you see at a certain part where it's that famous footage where all the patriots outside i call them patriots all the patriots outside are filing into uh, what they call founders hall where all the statues are and they're walking civilly right between the ropes and they're just walking like tourists i'm sure you all have seen that footage well, if you look back behind them, you see these statues of the founders. You can, you can only see the statues from the waist down in this footage. You can see the colonial garb. You can tell it, like, by the pants they're wearing on the statues. And, uh, you know, it just makes me teary-eyed. Like, if, if those statues were to come to life, you know, just standing, they're not moving, but, you know, kind of thinking about what they're seeing on that day, how would it make them feel? I'm sure they would be on the side of the people coming inside the building, not the group of people that are already in it. But, um, you know, it, it's just it makes me so sad that they sacrificed so much for us. And we don't most of the people in this country don't appreciate them and what they did. It, it makes me you know, I've, I've cried over this so many times not to get cheesy on the show, but I'm just being honest. It's just. It's unfortunate. You know, it's just... The nation you know, that what, they founded they has been subverted by outsiders, okay, namely Jewish power and influence. That's the change that has come. That's why they're not held in right. respect any longer. 
right. among the people that would try right. to put them down. If if they don't like America as the founders made it, why did you come and why did you stay? You stayed and right. you came because it's a prosperous place and you've been skimming off the cream of the economy ever since. And rather than being right. uh, critical, you ought to be grateful. Exactly. And I, I don't I don't agree with this argument that it's hard for people to go back to their homelands. I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. If you hate a place so much, you know, you either you can find a way to leave or you shut your mouth and help. Well us we make used to say you you either like it or lump it, right? Right. Right. Because for people like me, people I've like never me heard that before, you, we're just <laughs> but yeah, like I mean, people like the three of us who are descended from the founders, you know, it's like, where else are we supposed to go? This is our home. England doesn't want to take us back. They want to take in people from India instead. This is our only choice right now. We need to fight. Lord, for you're you're no going to leave this whole Russia. continent to a bunch of uh, Indian tribes that probably are less right. than one percent of the population of America. And, and I'm sorry, I have no interest in letting our ancestors down, these great men, these statues that are in Founders Hall that you see on the January 6th footage. I have no interest in letting them down what they fought for and escaping and going to Russia. I have no interest in that. I don't have any ancestry there. And they have flaws just like we do, okay? They're not perfect. I'm sick of hearing, I'm sick of them being worshipped. I don't want to fight them. I wish the best for them, but I don't worship them. Those aren't my, those, that's not... You know, See, I, I, here's I, I, my I, I, here's my take on Russia. Let me just say this quickly: Tsarist Russia was a righteous Christian nation. The Soviet Union was an evil empire. Since the fall of the Soviet Union, Russia has been getting more righteous. Why was the Soviet Union wrong, and why were they evil? Because it was Bolshevik Jews that founded it and conceptualized it, and caused more people to be killed between World War One and World War Two, 36 million, than the Germans, uh, that, that don't even hold a candle to them. All right, uh, Courtney, one right. minute remaining. Parting thought to you. Oh, I, I apologize. I just heard somebody, I heard noise in the background downstairs. There's commotion going on. <laughs> but um, now, now I'm sorry, what was the question? Welcome to Parenthood. <laughs> She's been there for a while. <laughs> No, you got about a minute left. Okay. You know, while we're talking about this, I recently did uh, an ancestry test. And as predicted, no surprise to anybody in the audience, I'm, you know, pretty much entirely British. And, um, you know, I, I encourage everybody to be interested in their family history. And there's nothing wrong with that, being proud in, in your ethnic background. I, I don't see anything wrong with that. It's healthy. And Did you find out when your ancestors you came to the New World? What year? You know, I, I think I need to do Ancestry DNA for that. that. I did the other one, 23. Yeah, see, I did Ancestry.com, and I, mine came in 1659. When did yours come, James? I haven't looked. I just looked at my racial makeup. Okay, well, I, you need to go Ancestry.com <laughs> and find out about that. That's really good. I'm sure. I did Ancestry.com. I just I'm haven't sure. looked at that. I'm sure I'm sure mine is pretty similar. I mean, being a Southerner, I just don't ever – I've never heard about any immigrants coming over later in my family, so I'm pretty sure mine's similar to that. 
But um, and I don't think 23andMe goes into that, unfortunately. But I need to do Ancestry DNA so I can look at that. Part Mine of were it. on the bridge with but... Montezuma in 1519. <laughs> 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 anyway, so Courtney, me. listen. Happy Fourth of July to you and to your family. We love you, and uh, we're happy to have you on. I love you. We, we look so forward to having you on the show. You brighten up, you lighten our lives. Well, she's such a regular. It seems like she's on more often than she is, although she's on quite regularly. She's we haven't talked to her. She's definitely part of our staff here. Have we? No, we did talk to her during Confederate History Month. I was going to say, we haven't talked to her since Valentine's Day, but she was on during Confederate History Month. And now she's, she's a regular. She, she's, getting, she's getting some good play. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, happy 4th Thanks of July, for- Courtney, Independence Day, and so on and so forth. And... Uh, thank you for your contributions at the show tonight. There's don't, the music. Don't let the bastards thank wear you, you down. Is no, they're not going to do that. Uh, they're not going to do that. <laughs> hey, Courtney, we'll talk to you again very soon. And uh, we'll talk to Scoop even sooner than and that. Happy because 4th of July. He's up next for the final segment tonight. Courtney from Alabama, Steve King, Scoop, and uh, James Keith. Yeah, that's right. We'll be right back. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. Introducing Managed IT Services from NPI. We offer top-notch data backup and recovery, email spam protection, and network security tailored to your needs and budget. With 20-plus years of experience in the medical field, our HIPAA-certified consultants know what it takes to protect sensitive information. Don't settle for less. Give us a call at 801-706-6980 and experience the difference with Managed IT Services. Remember, your IT support should be fast, efficient, and reliable. Introducing PrepStartsNow.com, your ultimate guide to readiness and peace of mind. We offer practical preparedness tools, training, and education to take your family's household readiness to the next level. Browse the prep shop for essential products, check out our planning guides, and stay informed with our prep blog. Visit PrepStartsNow.com and subscribe to our emails for exclusive offers, new products, and future events. Remember, preparedness begins with PrepStartsNow.com. Cool cow eating in the city, that's so fine and looking so pretty. Cool cat looking for a kitty, gonna look in every corner of the city. Till I'm wheezing like a bus stop, running up the stairs, gonna meet you on the rooftop. But tonight it's a different world, go out and find a girl. Come on, come on, and that's all night. Just by the heat, it'll be alright and late. Don't you know it's a pity the days can't be like the nights in the summer, in the city, in the summer. John Sebastian didn't know out at the time, but he was writing that for Scoop Stanton, who's with us back in Washington. I can't even 
it's like where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Where in DC is Scoop? Because uh, he did a live remote broadcast for Seven Five Radio, which is affectionately known as TPC's Fourth Hour. You stay tuned through our show. You keep it on this feed. You stay on after we end, and then here comes Scoop with the fourth hour. But it's Seven Five Radio, and he was uh, doing a live remote last week. We talked about that well, last Scoop week. Scoop said he's still part of the team. Uh, he's, he's still our D.C. correspondent, that's for sure, but he's got another remote broadcast tonight. Now, Keith, he's been sending me pictures from this, and I can't tell you about that. I can't show them to you either, and we certainly can't talk about it on the radio, but he's at a remote broadcast tonight, and uh, we'll tell him it would, to keep it family-friendly. Scoop, what in the world is going on? Where are you tonight this 4th of July weekend, and what are you doing? Well, good evening, James, Keith, and the political cesspool family. This is Peter Scoop Stanton, the Washington, D.C. correspondent for the political cesspool. I am at a, I am at a red, white, and blue party at 2455 Alabama Avenue, Southeast Washington, D.C. Folks of the ADL, SPLC, haters, Antifa, closest train station will be Naylor Road. Come on down if you dare. Anyways, I'm at a, I'm at a <laughs> red, scoring. white, and blue I am a red, white, and blue party with some absolutely beautiful people, some high-class people. Uh, not quite my cup of tea because my parties, you ha people drink uh, past blue ribbon out of a paper bag. Uh, here they don't. But just, I mean, James, you saw the uh, pictures. Just some gorgeous-looking people here, wonderful people having a great time, and more or less I just crashed the party. Anyways, tonight's uh, brass tax. I want to get down to business since uh, I only have so much, uh, but so much time. This past Thursday, Liberty New Radio, Walter Yerke from 7-5 Radio, was on No BS News Hour with Charlie LaDuff. He got on that podcast because Scoop Stanton was on 7-5 Radio, which is the third hour of the, the political cesspool. And coming fourth out hour, on, sir. Fourth hour. Correction, the fourth hour. So, anyways, Scoop. Yours truly is also the Washington, D.C. correspondent for the political cesspool. And more or less, the reason why Walter Yerkew was on Charlie LaDuff podcast. Mr. LaDuff is a friend of ours. He's part of the family. Uh, but he's also a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter, best-selling author, and excellent, excellent reporter. The reason why Mr. Yerkew was on that show was because of one James Edwards. How does James Edwards get in, gets involved? Because he answered an email way back in early 2000s. And they asked him, so James, I want to become the European correspondent for the political cesspool. And he said, okay. Now, he did not know me from Adam. I did not know him from Adam. I could be a plant. I could have been with the SPLC, ADL, uh, hundreds of other hate groups, but I was not. Had a good feeling about you, Scoop. Right. But anyways, about that interview, <laughs> that that was the best interview from Charlie LaDuff, in my personal opinion, because I watch his podcast every single week. And also uh, his uh, co-host, Karen Dumas, and comedian Detroit Red also did a bang-up job. And Mr. Yerkue was also outstanding. I learned things from him that he never told me, we never talked about on 7 to 5 Radio. One of the reasons why we don't want to talk about the 7 to 5 back in the day because that's in the past. We want to work on current events. Now, now, if we talk about the story where we can relate to somebody, something in Walter's career or my career, then we'll do it. But, again, it was the 
just just the just the back and forth between uh, Leduff's camp and Walter were just second to none. And then uh, what's funny is that Leduff did not know about Walter. He would I would invite him on the seven uh, five radio. He he'd come on after having a couple of pops. Um, I guess a couple means uh, twelve or eighteen. <laughs> I've heard Leduff or Walter. And that's Leduff, and Leduff. I've heard this. Yeah, well, in fact, he was on our show once, and I think he had a couple that? of pops. How in. do you remember that? That was so long ago, I barely remember it, but he was. That was April of 2014. Anyways, <laughs> I said. <laughs> anyways, Scoop is I, the resident historian of TPC. Scoop remembers more about this show and its exploits and its accomplishments than I ever could. And, Scoop, I, I, I commend you as being our resident historian, but continue. Right, because I'm also a fan. But anyways, Leduff had no clues who Walter Yerkew is. I said, Charlie, you need to do your homework. Why, 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 why? You don't understand. Do your homework. He said, all right. I said, he's part of this corruption scandal in NYPD history. He's like, ah, whatever. He's like, send me the links. I sent him the links. I sent him a link to the movie, and he had the exact same reaction as I did and as James Edwards did of holy crap. And he booked him as soon as possible. And I got off the phone with uh, Walter and Leduff that uh, evening, and both of them had a great time. And the funny thing about Leduff is that uh, he is a Pulitzer Prize winner. He is a best-selling author. He is like Mr. Detroit. So he told me, watch the podcast and call him back because he values my opinion. I was like, whoa, somebody outside of the Liberty News Radio family values my opinion. It's like, <laughs> it's like George Pat to me, it's like George Patton said, saying he likes my military strategy. So then afterwards, we got, talking for, we got talking for about an hour. This is like 1 o'clock in the morning. And most of it was not even about like the show. It's about you know, what's going on, or, our lives, this, that, and a third. And then he says, like, come on, Scoop, you're my friend. I was like, what? So... Usually I'm a pain in the backside because I text him all day long. I text James Edwards all day long. And, of course, I text and talk Walter Yerke's ear off all day long. The only person I do not uh, talk to or text or try to communicate as little as possible is my ex-wife. But, <laughs> folks, you, you, you got to check out – you got to check it out. Uh, if you go to uh, go to YouTube, uh, No Beast News or Charlie LaDuff, or 75radio.org, it's, it's, it's there. And my comment is just one word, one word only, epic. Because I don't want to... Well, let me ask you this. Who, who's a bigger yeah. celebrity in your mind now, Charlie LaDuff or James Edwards? <laughs> oh, James Edwards. Hey, well, I, mean, I will tell you this. I will tell you this to Scoop's point. I've got tentacles out there that I didn't even know. I'm so big, the political cesspool could barely contain me. <laughs> no, no, seriously, folks, I say that. I say that in jest. I, I, this is the truth, though. I was actually going back because, I, as I said with Courtney in the previous segment, I was going back to see how we worded the 4th of July show last year. Was it the 4th of July spectacular? Was it the 4th of July extravaganza? Because I was going to recycle some of it tonight for Steve King. And anyway, I, I was seeing, I actually went back into the archives of the, uh, of the blog. And I had forgotten uh, about, I was just in the blog for one month, and I'd forgotten about, uh, this was some years ago, 20 articles that had, uh, we'd been featured in. Uh, it's so it, it just, I, I don't expect everybody, except for Scoop, I don't expect everybody in the listening audience to remember all of the things we've done, because I can't even remember. I was reading some of these articles 
I was reading some of these articles from a few years ago, and I was like, we're in the Washington Post and the New York Times that many times that year? <laughs> I had forgotten. I, I knew we had gotten some coverage, uh, but I'd forgotten that much at, that, that quickly uh, in those instances. And uh, anyway, so, but uh, to Scoop's point, I mean, it, it, he's saying in like a butterfly effect type of way for me answering his email so many years ago, it led to this uh do you hear the party music in the background? See that, that we don't have. <laughs> it led to this uh, confusion, isn't the word? This fusion of uh, Charlie Duff and Walter Yerke. Walter Yerke was previously a, a star of the biggest uh, Netflix documentary of all time, and then Charlie Duff, a Pulitzer Prize-winning uh, television journalist, and they've gotten together. And Scoop saying it's all because I answered his email. Now there's some truth in that, but. Scoop has done so much of it himself, and that's why you need to stay tuned for the fourth hour every week. And, Scoop, I hear the party music in the background now. We're going to have a party next week in our own right. Next week, we will be in South Carolina for our annual Dixie Fest broadcast in uh, the upstate of South Carolina. And we're going to have uh, so much fun with the Jolly Boys. We did it last year. We're going to do it again. If you want to be there, email me. And you can be there, too, next Saturday night if you can get to the upcountry of South Carolina. But I don't know if we're going to have the exact same kind of party Scoop is having right now. Scoop, what are you doing? I mean, family-friendly well, as much I'm as you can. Doing, well, I'm dealing the deal and telling people, listen to the political cesspool, listen to 7-5 Radio. Uh, right now, we got a big crowd on the deck. I don't know if the, the deck can hold all the people. About, the, about four, up to four people. Four people hanging out on the deck. Uh, most of them are smoking. But anyways, uh, <laughs> I, Come listen, sit on buddy, Peter's I, big deck. <laughs> right. But, huh? uh, What'd you say? <laughs> deck. D-E-C-K. Deck. 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 Okay. Del Delta Echo Charlie Kilo. But once right, again, we right. are at 2455 Alabama Avenue Southeast. Folks, if you're an enemy of the political cesspool, 75 radio, or patriotism, go ahead, come on down, see what happens. Once again, the I, I hear Rihanna in the back. I, I picked up on that song. Now I can hear. I've got radio ears. I can hear these. That's Rihanna. Is there a dance I, floor I, out there? Is that <laughs> That's Rihanna. It, it, we were playing John Philip Sousa. Scoop right. Playing no, Rihanna. It, it, I, we got to stay it, tuned for a, seven five radio tonight to see what he's really up to, Keith. We got to stay tuned. Yeah, we're doing. Oh yeah, uh, the truth's going to be known in the next hour. If you stay tuned to this feed, right, and, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna have some of the party guests uh, come on and uh, state their business and uh, you know where, where they want to get off the chest. But I told them the three rules: no cursing, <laughs> no slander, and you better not stink. So, <laughs> I got... well, it's gonna be hard not to as hot as it is outside. But I'll tell you this, Keith, we may not have to leave the studio tonight. We might have to stick around and sit in the studio. For the fourth hour, seven five radio. He's up to no what, good what, in DC. What, what is Peter but, really up to? That's what. We'll, well, we'll find out in the fourth hour. That is yeah, the seven five hey, radio. Hey, hey James, show Keithy uh, uh, text I sent you. Yeah, I will. I'm looking at it right now. I, we, I'm, yeah, thankfully, this hey. is radio, not television. I can't show the rest of you that. But, your pants uh, hey, it's been. <laughs> hey, happy Fourth of July, Scoop. Happy Fourth of July. Happy Independence Day. Want to give thanks right. to you, Scoop. Uh, Courtney from Alabama, uh, Congressman Steve King, and uh, Keith, you did a pretty good job in the second hour. And, uh, the whole show. And back at you. Uh, <laughs> also, James, uh, we also celebrate, this is the season of 7-5. So we celebrate uh, July 5th, 7-5 day. Uh, check out the website, folks. Take it away, James. Well, give us the website. Don't leave us hanging. 75radio.org, 75radio.org. This is Scoop Stanton for James Edwards and Keith Alexander reminding you, 
You can make a difference. Go out and make it. Stay tuned for Sunfire Radio with Scoop and Walt Turyurki. Take it away. Thanks. You're listening to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com.